The intermediate line-off is a language and concept warning for the entire show. The opinions of the guests may not be shared by the opinions of the Intermediate Line podcast. The Intermediate Line is brought to you by NervousWater.com.au. Thomas and Thomas Fly Rods, Shilton Fly Reels, and Call and Fly Line. Power Pole, Total Boat Control. Ketterfly Apparel, from time on the water to you. Beast Brushes, we stay in our lane of experience to improve your experience. Welcome back to another episode of the Intermediate Line, and I want to welcome back my co-host, Joffrey Baratheon. How's it going? <laughs> King with the golden hair. Thank you, sir. I am glad to be back on the throne, the throne of Blue Bone. I'm back. <laughs> Game of Blue Bones, is that what you're saying? <laughs> the blue something, man. More like blue balls. Didn't really... Blue it? No. Yeah, you did. No. It didn't happen that good for us, mate. We got... Uh, uh, so, before yeah. you jump into that, mate, yep. listeners yep. will probably know that you've been... <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, mate, we're not, if nothing else, we're professional, right? And um, and I just wanted to prelude what you were about to say there and say, listeners will ha- no doubt have known just by, um, you know, just by following you on social media and understanding the interests that you have and, uh, and getting behind whatever interest that you've got in your life that you have just um, spent uh, a couple of weeks away from the podcast and on a on a yearly sojourn to uh, North Queensland. Am I correct in assuming that, Joffrey? You are correct, as usual. Correct. Yep. I try to be. I like to be. And, um, and if I'm not, I'll happily admit that I'm wrong. Moving forward. Mm. Joff. Um, does anyone call him Joff in Game of Thrones? I mean, it, it seems like a lot. There's no Australian actors in that, is there? You'd think they would, right? Joffo. Joff, Joffo. Joffra? Joffo. Joffo, you really shouldn't be doing that, buddy. Like, <laughs> that would stay, that would have been a good part of the show. Stay away from your sister, buddy. Yeah, Joffo. Joffo. Tasmanian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leave her alone, Joffo. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh so so you were away you're away mate and um and you're just about to lead in to tell us that there were some hardships is that correct yeah yeah like we got um we got shafted by the weather the weather gods mother nature said not this year Valsi. not for yeah. you joffo that's it that's it yeah. yeah we only had probably three flat suitable days and, and we did well in those days but we sort of 
you know, when you go to a lot of effort and, and more to the point, like you make a lot of sacrifices and, you, and you know, you pin your yearly hopes to, to uh, you know, it just, it, yeah, it, it didn't measure up for us, man. Mm, yep. But uh, in the true game of Australian Thrown style, you travel with the imp. And um, and how was how did Kyle go? Yeah, just, we, we we're in the same boat, literally, mate. And we we fish shot for shot, like fish for fish. So yep. if one of us is doing shit, we're both doing shit. So. Yeah, yep, yep, yeah. I saw him got a, got a mighty fine brim though. He did, mate. He really deserved that. He side fished this pikey brim, like like you know, I've seen some some great brim fishermen, you know, on TV at times, you know, and no doubt there's. Uh, we've we've had a few on here, you know, Jimmy Caves, um, Brooke. Uh, hey, Brooke's been on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, Brooke. Uh, At the know, same time as Jimmy, remember? Oh, there you go. Yeah, so Jimmy's had two runs, and and um, yeah, Brooke's had one. Um, yeah, actually took some uh, some flies up from Brooke, and this this was this was my tale of woe, man. Like I'd put him in. Um, had him in this this really uh, technical fly box called the um, clip seal plastic bag, and then that lived inside <laughs> my 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 box, uh, my tackle box. And anyway, we were moving spots. Uh, like we pulled the boat out, and we we're going from one boat ramp, and going you know sort of 50 k's in another direction to relaunch and fish somewhere else. And mm. and um, when we got to that other place, I noticed that my um, the top of my uh, tackle box had blown open in transit and um, what was sitting on top the clip seal bag like with you know like you're, uh, you're glad fly box we're glad <laughs> yes sponsored by glad I was <laughs> certainly not glad that day and um, I rang I rang Brooke and said mate you know guess what Brooke yeah got fuck. busted off by a big fish <laughs> yeah the uh, I did give a couple of them a swim I didn't lose them all like I you know, it wasn't that foolish to have them all. Uh, all there it was just some some really fucking sexy beasts. So, if anyone, uh, <laughs> that's a good movie too, right? Sexy beasts, yeah. Sexy beasts, good, mate. Jeez, they swim good. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm fully uh, fully on board in the in the natty train at the moment, man. You know, yeah. you don't. Sick. If there's anyone out there who's still sort of like going, it's just a fad, or you don't need it, or it don't work. You know, until you've until you've played with some natty beasts. Um, you know, like, and, and that, that style of flight, holy moly. I tell know. you what, it's a common thing for people who haven't played with something to go around preaching that something doesn't work. Did you know that I have customers that contact me and say, a guy told me not to use gas crabs because they don't work? Can you no. believe that anyone at this day and fucking age, mate? <laughs> hey? Is this for real? Oh, it's for real, 100%. I'm not going to name names It's because it doesn't really affect me at all, but... uh um, but yeah, I just think that's incredibly interesting that anyone could say that like our beasts were a fad or, you know, um, gas crabs don't catch permit or anything like that. Like exhibit you know, a hundreds of fish. It, yeah. You don't have to like it, but don't talk smack. You know? <laughs> I just look, I mean, it, it, uh, you know, it, it comes down to the person who believes them. Who's, who's really to, um, who's really to blame there really, I suppose, you know, it's um the research is there to be done. I know I say this a lot on the show. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but um in regards to the beasts as there, as well, you know when we're um they have they have hit a resurgence that's for sure. You know like they've been around for a long time. Uh, when Bob first released his book uh, 
Pop Flies in 2001. There was beasts in that. I'm pretty sure. I actually don't know. Pretty sure there was. But they were they were definitely. Um, I can remember being aware of them pretty early in the 2000s. Though you know, it was through that book or something else. They um, they 100% work. Why would why would anyone say they don't work? I don't know, man. Did people um, say they don't work? No. I'm oh. just saying, if, if, if you haven't, if you're sitting on the sideline going, oh, they're too hard or there's nothing special about them, you know, because unless, what I'm saying is you don't know what you don't know. So, mm. you know, if you get a if you get a chance, just go grab some from your co-op or whatever and just give them a fling. You won't be disappointed, you know. But whatever yeah. you do. Whatever you fucking well, there's do. no, there's no beast in the co-op, mate. But uh, isn't it? No, Chad Ploy and and Brooke both tie beasts um, commercially, and you can just reach out to them direct, and they'll they'll get it done for you. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, well, I've been using, I've been using Brooks, uh, Brim, Brimfly Lure. You know, yep. I've got, I must have mild dyslexia. Whenever I see his name, I think it's like Brim Life. You are, and uh... <laughs> hang on a minute, I'm hanging on my. Uh, I must have my old dyslexia. Did, did you used did you used to be dys, dyslexic, did you, man? <laughs> I don't know, man. It just for some reason I never I always read it differently. But anyways. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. uh Br- oh Brimlife. Brimlife Brook. He probably should yeah. be changing his, his Instagram handle now, right? What the bass life. Well he's no. tying some pretty pretty nice flies. It's a little bit misleading when you're tying flies that are bigger than the brim, right? Beast life. Beast life. <laughs> Pop, pop, pop life. Yeah, yeah, pop, pop life. I like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, who knows, mate? But uh, yeah, well, that's disappointing to hear that the old, um, the glad, the glad fly box didn't uh, cut it, um, and the trip was it. But you got a couple. Of, I've seen, I've seen pictures of a couple of tuskies. Are you cool? Yeah, yeah, we got we like I said, you know, like we got a, we got a few of those, and um, uh, you know. Um, hard to hard to hate that trip for that reason right but you know when you go up with certain expectations and you know all your all your options b c d and e you know like when your backups or whatever they just don't come off for whatever reason you know 20 25 knots of wind you know pelagics mysteriously missing you know um and that high white cloud that turns the, the surface of the water to like almost like a mirror like you know like yeah look through it, it it's sort of really you've got fuck all window to see through so i'm you know. I, as as an observant angler uh, who, who who pays attention to social media i'm always really sus when i see people holding sight fish caught fish when the clouds are like that because yeah, I don't think it matters. It doesn't matter what kind of sunglasses you got. When you got that light, wispy cloud that lets the light through, that reflects. It's got more light, light that comes through than the, the clouds. Just uh, it's worse than being fully cloudy. I reckon. Oh, that light. It's quite possible to have reasonable sight fishing when the clouds are low and dark. Yeah. You know, you know like it, you know, in, in some circumstances, particularly tuskies, if they're lit up in dark blue, you know, against a dark bottom or whatever, then. Yeah, it, you know, it's quite possible to have to see them. And bone, bone <coughs> fish too are odd, oddly similar, mm. you know. But, yeah, that high white stuff, it's like, it's hard to see through. It's really fucking it's tough. It's the worst. Yeah, yeah. It's the, the worst. worst. Yeah, yeah. It go wonder, man. Like, it's, uh, what, how, I, I think to myself, like, A, what kind of sunglasses these guys got? B, like, what technique 
is going to convert for that? You know, what's the situation? Because it's um, it's not a situation that, that I've seen a lot of, and I know you've done a lot of um, spend time in some in, in some shallow water, and and you have the same way of thinking. In fact, everyone that I've ever shared a boat with in that scenario, when the clouds are like that, no one's ever gone. Oh, this is what you do, you know? Yeah. Not well, one it, person in in in, a, in all the time I've been fly fishing. Exactly, and it doesn't matter like who you are, um, how much money you got. You, if that if you can't see, you can't sight fish. You know? Yeah. Just how it is. Yeah. How do they do it then? Were they are they photoshopping clouds into the photo or something? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. It. The other thing is, photos aren't always truly representative of, of the conditions there. You know, like there's been times when, you know, we've we've been out and like it's been pretty rough taking a photo and of a tuna or something. And then you look back at the photo after telling people, yeah, it was shit weather and it just looks fairly benign, you know, and you're like, yeah, that's because at that exact moment, you know, there was a lull in the, the swell or the wave, you know, like, yeah, you, know, you don't see the, the, the wave you know, 20 metres each side of us or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I thought you were yeah. saying that, like, um, you know, like by the time that you put your permit in a live well and leave the creek and go out to the mouth, like um, <laughs> that the clouds will come across. Is that what you meant? I thought that's where you were going. But um, I guess that, that's how some of those photos get taken, I suppose. Okay. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't see that coming. Yeah. I didn't. I'm just assuming. I, I mean, who who in their right mind would, uh, would do that, really, at the end of the day? But... Um, yeah, that's interesting, man. That's uh, interesting. You're right. I've seen, there's been photos I've been involved in and taken or been taken of and known it's been howling and you look at the water in the background and you go, huh, kind of looks like I could just uh, chill out and that, but... um, cringing about, man. Yeah. Didn't want to be there at the day, on the day. It was pretty wild, but yeah, and it's funny like that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, bro. Oh, well, that's, um, man, I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that um, that trip didn't pan out to how you wanted, mate. It's... um. It's a big deal, you know, like uh, when you when you wait all year for something like that, you know, as it would be for anyone, you know. So it's um, high expectations are um, it's fair to feel that way, and um, for them to come be not meeting expectations, like you've had some pretty lucky runs in that respect, man. Like this, this should be a regularly occurring thing, but this would this be the worst trip you've had as far as weather goes up there? Uh yeah, the most unlucky. Um, yeah, definitely because. Um, Look, in the past, um, I, I, I struggle to think of a, even a day lost to, to weather. Mm. And, you know, re- remembering that we pick the time of year based on, you know, historical wind records too. Um, uh, there's, you know, there's that as well. So, um, so it's not just, you know, unlucky. It's, you know, statistically f- fucked as well. <laughs> so Yeah. Well, yeah, it happens. It'd be we haven't had this weather pattern for a number of years now. You know, that's happening now. Probably probably fucking ten years. It's easy a decade until what's going on now, you know? So it's um it's uh I don't know how far back you're looking at these historical weather patterns, I suppose, but um um how far back do you go? What's what's that involve? Uh well that's a good question. I, I just look at the uh, the average wind per month. It doesn't really say how far back it goes. Uh, I'm sure if I dug deeper, it, it could. But um, you know, as someone who uses you know spreadsheets and sales forecasts regularly, it's you know numbers numbers can lie. You yeah, know, it's re- it's really they're interpretable. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You just at the end of the day, there's always some level of of 
you know, rolling the dice. You get what you get. You don't get upset. Or yeah. yeah. Well, that's the other thing, mate. Like, it's, um, do you, if you're planning a, a yearly trip and that's your slot to go, do you even bother looking at the weather? Uh, no. Well, heading up, you know, we, we had a bit of interested. A, yeah. It, was, yeah. it wasn't looking that terrible because I wouldn't, we would have called it beforehand or we would have gone home, you know, just gone for a number of days but rather than the whole, the whole slot. And, um, you know, would have, would have been able to pull out of the accommodation and save a few bucks there or whatever, you know, mm. um, or, or a backup plan. You know, there was backup plans available to maybe, you know, head west and particularly like, you know, we're thinking about hitting Saratoga or something like that. But I thought, no, it's breeding season. We'll leave them alone. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's, that's a self-imposed thing. That's, you know, that's my limit as, as, a, as a dude. Um, as, a, as a dude. As a fishing, you know, as uh, you know, as a sympathise for them, yeah. Like I just well, from someone else who who enjoys catching Saratoga and 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 very much admires the species. Thank you, Volts. Yeah, that's all right, mate. It's just a way of of uh, you know acknowledging their their time to get busy, and you know, the more the less we bother them at this time, the more we'll have to play with at another time. You know, yeah. So, yeah. It's tough, eh, when you're watching people who don't think that way and they're and they're they're picking out on them. You're just like, God damn you, you know. But um, it's um, it's good that like, you know, it's not everyone's doing it. It's, it's pretty popular. It's a popular opinion now. Like, um, it's getting more and more popular, you know, against amongst learned fish shows. You know, really at the end of the day, that um, people are leaving them alone at this time of year. Yeah, and there'll be plenty of arguments against it. But you know what? You do you. I'll do me. We're all yeah. Bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not illegal. You, if you want to do it, do it. But you know, yeah. you probably shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, yeah. All right. Well, look, um, we've got a pretty good guest on tonight. Uh, probably at that point where we can start chatting about who's who here. Um, yep. So we've we've um, uh, we've got Martin and and. and um, and um, many people will know know him as um, Flicking Feathers. Um, I don't know if his YouTube channel is called that. Um, yeah, it is. Is it? Yeah, I'll tell you what it's called exactly. Um, I'm actually called? I'm actually not a YouTube fan. I don't I don't watch fly time videos on YouTube, but um, I see his clips on Instagram. And it's um okay. But uh, yeah, tell us what he tell us tell us what it is so people that want to um, have what a look. Is- so it's Martin White flicking feathers, flicking feathers. Sorry. Yeah. So, yeah. And um, yeah, the Martin is a T Y N. Yeah. Yeah, that's great information, mate. Um, flicking feathers, <laughs> hey? Yep. <laughs> He's flicking yep. feathers. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, There's a lot. There's a lot of videos here, man. Like, there's bloody. Uh, this guy is really committed to sharing. And um, yeah, it's got a lot here. It's got a lot we're going. gonna we're gonna talk about that tonight. I've no doubt. There's things I want to bring up with Martin for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I really admire him for um, for his his um his passion for sharing as well, mate. But um, um, what I do like about Martin, and I want I I'd like to think that people who listen to this episode will get out of it, is that Martin is a is is a staunch traditionalist as far as his fly tying is concerned. You don't you very rarely see Martin dicking around with concepts that that aren't incredibly proven i've seen him do um i've seen him do what well they might not be but i've seen him do what i think is um something that he's come up with but he's a very pragmatic 
uh, fly tire and um, and a, and um, and a you know a pretty decent fisher too. Like uh, he, he's, a, he's a he's a Scotsman who lives in Japan, so he's doing a lot of fishing around Japan in salt and fresh. You know, so um, if you're going to have a look at him, if you look up flicking feathers, and it's not flicking, it's flicking like um, F L I C K I N feathers. If you look at him on um, Instagram, yeah, okay, so that, yeah, different to his. YouTube one, so that's cool. Is his YouTube one flicking feathers? Is it? Yeah, with a ing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, it's um if you if you're at this point, you're listening along, and you're one of those guys who likes to listen along or girls with um with um uh, YouTube open. Oh, sorry, uh, Instagram open to check things out. It's worth doing with that with Martin. I don't know how how far in the weeds we're going to get with his fly time, but um if we do, it's worth following along. Particularly if you're um, if you're not familiar with traditional saltwater flies, which he does a lot of. I know he does a lot of um, um, freshwater stuff too, but um, for some reason I just seem to see. Well, maybe I'm paying attention more to his saltwater stuff, but yeah, wouldn't you say that? Like, he does a lot of traditional stuff, right? Yeah, he does it all, man. Fresh salt, you know. But I mean, the he does. yeah, he does. But what I mean is that like. You know, they're, they're like origin flies, you know, he does a lot of, you know, like it's, um, you know, oh. flies that are super old school. And you're like, oh, like, um, oh, I've heard of that thing, you know, there'll be, it'll be like just, um, old, old patterns, you know? Yep. Yeah, he does. He does. I was, I'm looking at it now, man. The guy's definitely not afraid to look, of looking back to move forward, you know? So, yeah. Well, he's got on his, I just noticed on his, um, on his Instagram, uh, profile page he calls himself the real Redbeard. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to explore that, hey? Uh, yeah, I don't know why I laughed at that. Yeah, please um, explain. Well, the, the, yeah, there must be there must be an imposter around for him to be thinking that. Well, funnily enough, we pulled up at the, the boat ramp at um, the boat ramp at Bowen one day and. Um, and uh well there's nothing there i believe right there was a guy there who's who is calls himself captain redbeard and he doesn't oh, have, yeah? doesn't have a red beard you know did but, you point that out no no did you guys have a chat no did you chat to kyle didn't he yeah kyle had a chat you know. yeah. yeah yeah you were too covered up in a buff right uh, no, 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 we are launching a boat. Uh, sorry, we were, we were retrieving a boat. I had other things Just busy. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and then, yeah, we didn't get a chance really to catch up. So, yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. Them's the uh, breaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was we, pretty rough day, to be honest. We what's that, of, sorry? It was a pretty rough day. We were well, well fucking wet. Yeah, yeah last off. thing I do is, is, um, have a chat at a boat ramp, man. I mean, it's like that, eh? Just get me the It'll, fuck out of there. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, well, you don't want to talk at the beginning, and if it's been a shit day, then you don't want to talk at the end. So, yeah, not not great places to have a chat. Yeah, yeah. Radio champion. Um, what do you say we um, we get into this and we call Martin? I think it's a good idea. Man. all right Vault, over to you buddy (laughs) well folks here he is our esteemed guest 
your friend and mine, Martin Witt. How you doing, Martin? <laughs> I'm doing good. Doing good, folks. Good, doing good. You, you missed an E there, Bolts. Uh, what? You missed an E, eh? Is it Witt yeah. or White? White. White. Fuck. So you're like Walter White, you know? Breaking uh-huh. back. Yeah. Got the exactly. same haircut too. I see. Eh? I've got the beard and the skinhead. Yep. Just <laughs> nice. <laughs> Meth. <laughs> so, so for, for listeners, you'll probably already you'll probably already notice that uh, Martin's got a Brazilian accent, and um, mm-hmm. uh, that's not true, Martin. Um, where are you from originally, mate? Um, <laughs> I'm from I'm from Ayrshire, so southwest of Scotland, kind of rural place. Um, pretty. Actually, quite close to Davy McPhail. If anybody's watched his videos, I used to talk talk time quite a lot with Davy when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. so, uh, I don't know who that is, but is he? Uh, is he? Davy McPhail video? No, never. You should you should go and check him out on YouTube. Um, yeah, yeah right. probably not that applicable for your fishing, Chris. But some of the trouty guys and all that. And then I'd imagine what Southern Australia, where it's no roasting. Oh. Mate, I had to ask a friend of mine the other day what an what a caddis was. That's how that's how I, I up with trout fishing that I am. So um, you'll have to forgive me for not knowing who that is. It's uh, no. I, uh, I yeah. But anyway, I, I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to learn. <laughs> Show us your caddis. Yeah. <laughs> I was worried I was going to get a photo like that, mate. I want. I want to say a shout out to Wack for not um, for not sending anything through that could have been scarring me for the word caddis for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so Martin, uh, yeah. mate, I, I'm really like I listeners will know in the show. I was um, I was kind of pretty frothing on uh, on getting you on here, mate, and um, and I want to before we get to know you know a bit more about where you are, which we sort of started to head that way, and I apologise to the listeners for changing direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to get right into the um, right into the weeds about one of the main reasons I wanted to talk to you on the show. Yeah. Um, I wonder if you'd agree with this that um, that standing on the outside looking in, you have a, a real traditionalist traditionalist um, approach to fly tying. Um, you 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 seem to produce content that is. Um, taking people back to the grassroots of, of certain patterns in particular, as we just learned, I pay a lot of attention to the saltwater stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But even in regards to those, you know, while everyone else seems like not everyone else, but a lot of famous YouTubers seem to be creating shit out of thin air that may or may not have even seen a fish. You're still persisting with, which I think is great. You know, flies that have been developed you know, back back in the sixties and, and and things like that and and some flies that I've learnt by just watching watching you. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with this uh, description of your approach to your fly tying? I, I think there's something in there, definitely. Um, like I'm definitely. I mean, I again grow. I knew a lot of old guys when I was growing up, and they had me on patterns from like when they were boys. You know. For mm. the trout and stuff, and I mean, like my own boxes. When I was, I don't tie commercially anymore. But when I was selling flies, my own boxes looked nothing like the stuff people were buying off of me, mm. right? And I definitely think you can embrace like some of the the simplicity and the the 
just sheer functionality of a lot of the old patterns, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I mean, I don't want to sound like a luddite, <laughs> but um, at the same time, like, there's a lot, an awful lot of folk putting an awful lot of stuff on hooks that has doesn't need to be there. Is adding nothing, uh, or they're putting stuff on that's actually detrimental, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, we were talking. The, the reason I'm on here is because we were talking about the 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 crab parts and that, and the Merkins. Yeah. I mean, Dell's Merkin. That original crab is still still fishy as fuck. Yeah. You know. Yep. Um, and like, you know, you, you see a lot of. Like, like, especially the guys that, that I mean, and I'm from a trouty background originally because of where I'm from, but like a lot of trouty guys tying saltwater flies and they're adding like two strands of, you need to put two strands of this crystal flash and then you need to put UV, whatever they actually mean by that. Mm. Um, and then I've added two wee tons of this stuff thing. That hmm. fish's pal yesterday just ate a fucking six inch bit of plastic. It doesn't give a fuck. Hmm. No, like it doesn't care about two strands or whatever. Right? Yeah. Hmm. There's all this addition and all that that's getting done pointlessly. Yeah. I think. And I, I think there's a lot of folk could learn a lot by going back to the old patterns. What, what would you say? Let me think of the best way to word this. In regards to um, you know putting the, the unnecessary stuff on there, mm. I tend to I tend to pu- it puzzles me as well. Like I'm in a position where a lot of people ask me questions. You know what what would you use for this? Just running a fly tying shop, mm. and um and and man, I find myself being and, and quite short with people um for the purpose of trying to help them whether they see it like that or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I I think. I think that they could learn a lot from the reason why the original was tied the way it do- it was, right? Absolutely, eh? Yeah. Um, I don't know why people add unnecessary shit to something that's been around since Adam was a boy and worked the whole time, you know? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Like, was making a nice fly for yourself, which is one thing, right? Yep. Like. If I time, like, I mean, I'm currently, like, chasing my big fly box for the sea bass at this time of year because mm. you lose loads of flies, right, because there's a lot of structure. Mm-hmm. I, I still, like, mix my bucktails, you know. I could just go all white and ho- make tie a big, be- uh, just a white beast, you know. Mm. I, I still like to blend a wee bit of little, I'll make the back with a wee bit of sea foam in it or a wee bit of purple or lilac because it looks a bit shady because mm-hmm. that, that makes me feel that that fly is a nice fly. Yeah. But and that's functionally, functionally, nothing is changing in the fly. Correct. Yeah. Right? Correct. I, uh, I, 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 you might be heading in the right, like, and, and I, I do agree with this direction. <coughs> that, like, you know, I could, all three of us could sit there and probably feed our family with just fishing clouses, you know, at the end of the day, you know? Um, hi. But, you know, like it's uh, there's, there's that Groundhog Day aspect of it as well. You know, we wanna we wanna catch fish on flies that we wanna tie. So I might I might sound like I'm um I'm opposing what I was uh, saying that I admire about your approach to fly tying and saying this, but 
I still believe in that aspect of creativity, and and I think that um, I think that people should feel good about catching something on on something that they can oh, you know, put a bit of flair into at the vice. But hey, but the me, balance me, is, me. I was just going to say the balance is, which is what I like. I would like to direct people to what you do and what you show on your YouTube channel and stuff like that is, 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 is learning, understanding what the original problem has been, has what the original problem was that's been overcome with these yeah. original patterns and, yeah. uh, and, and to understand that what's, what's there as a, as a foundation or a base works for this reason. Now apply the creativity once you've understood that, you know, but, um, I, and, yeah, I, Absolutely, like, like I said, I don't want to, I'm not a Luddite at all, right, like, I love new stuff, right, you know, yeah. I mean, like, UV resin's not new now, but, like, I remember when that arrived, it was like, oh, this is amazing, right, you know, yeah, um, like, I mean, and but I do get a bit annoyed by stuff that's masquerading as being new, right, and all that, yeah. um, but, like, there's also, I mean, you, you, you can get addicted to like just adding stuff, right? But you do mm. need to say people have got to enjoy their fishing and enjoy their fly time, right? Mm. But, but at the same time, don't tell me how I should, like, they shouldn't be saying to me that, or you should be doing this and doing that. It's like, well, no, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and like, there's, there's a things, um, you know, I know you're a big fan of the game changer, Chris. Um, but like everything doesn't need to be a game changer. No, absolutely, know? absolutely correct. There, I am a big fan of the game changer. But Aye. I've said this on the podcast, so I won't go down it again. But I mean, it it only showed interest to me because I was trying to solve a problem. It Aye. was um, I was fishing for a particular species that I couldn't get to eat fucking anything else, mm -hmm. and um, and I wanted to tie a game changer. I wanted to swim a certain way because I believed if I could make it work how I wanted to, I would get those fish to eat, and, and it did. Yeah. Um, but that's the only reason I'm into it. You know, I'm not, I'm not into it for taking photos of it at all. I, I'll be honest with you. I, I mean, I was a commercial fly tire as well. I only tie flies for my fishing. I can't stand sitting down and, um, and tying flies for the sake of tying flies. I really, I might have a bit of PTSD from doing it full time, I guess, potentially mm. the idea of setting sitting down and no, I'm going to sit there for an hour to tie a game changer makes me shiver. It's, ugh, you know, <laughs> it's, um, Oh, I mean, that's the thing, right? I mean, look, for me, for my fishing, there's guys fish game changers here for the sea bass. Yep. You rarely see anybody fishing them for the smallies in the river, although in the States, that's a big thing, right? Yeah. But it might be a, it might be because the fish here are, like, I mean, I live in the greater Tokyo area, right? These are probably the most pressured fish in the world, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? They're, they're absolutely insane. Um, what area did you say it was? The greater Tokyo area. I live just... Oh, yeah. The eastern edge of uh, the Tokyo. I don't yep. live in Tokyo, but I live in the Corner Basin. Um, and like anywhere within two hours, two and a half hours, like the fish are just absolutely nuts, right? Like they're hard, hard, spooky because they're just getting pounded all the time, right? Yeah. Um, and Japanese people love to spot one for some reason. Like, they, I mean, and I don't mean. The assholes like to spot one. I mean, they think it's a good thing. This is what the worst. What do you mean, like, spot one? Spot burn. Like What's burn spot your spot. Burn? burn your spot. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, just, just, just come it's in not. and just, just what? How, well, how does that happen? Or they just, 
come in I mean, within cast range and not say anything, do they? I or like um like <laughs> so if, rude. If they, I mean, there was a river I used to. I don't. I've not fished it for a couple of years. I used to fish it all the time, and a big smallmouth bass in it. Um, and I'd get, I'd, I'd arrive there at four in the morning and fish to about seven, and go before anybody was there. And then there was a guy out walking his dog saw me catching a fish, and I come back the following week and there was four guys there. Oh, oh yeah. Right. Like, and that's that. Like, and they tell, they all tell their friends, "Oh, this place is really good." Yeah, <laughs> right. That's just madness, right? That happens everywhere. That, that's the that's the same. You know, like uh, that's the. I'm not diminishing what you're experiencing. Mm. But I'm I'm lamenting with you, the frustration. You know, and you could draw that same sort of parallel with sort of even social media. It's sort of magnified. You know, it's magnified globally. Someone sees you catching a, you know, a, a, a fish here, and then next thing you know, it's everyone's spot. You know, and I recognise that. Mm. Right. Now there, you know, and that fish belongs to the streets now, you know. Right, maybe I mean that might be. I've been here fifteen years, so when I when I was still in Europe and all that, like it was, people seem to be a bit more secretive, you know. Um, it's still got to be better than living in Pomgolia, right? That's well, probably. <laughs> yeah. So, so Martin, what do you, what do you say to these people? Like, given that they probably can't understand um, English or even like. Or Scottish too, like mm. do, you, do you mouth off at them? Uh, no, I just, like it's no, it's uh, they don't get it. It's not really like I used. I mean, like I, I could, I, I would address them in Japanese, but like, yeah, um, it's it's hardly worth it. They look at you like you're an alien. You know like, what, what are you talking about? You know? I, I was I was about to say, isn't it like I mean Tokyo for example, right? I mean I'm I'm totally standing outside looking in. I've never been to Japan. I don't want to make assumptions about something I know nothing about, but it seems to me that uh, the culture accepts small personal space, right? Yeah, right. That, I mean, and so that extends to the water, I'm guessing, right? Yeah, yeah. everywhere. I mean, there's, there's old people that get it, you know, and like, much like, much like, much like me. I mean, I probably know the guys that actually get it that are in the city, the fly fish, you know. Mm. And, like it's a limited number <laughs> you know yeah. and we've all got bits where we're always trying to get away and you just need to go climbing up things and places that you maybe shouldn't be you know that just to get in and get a bit of fishing uh -huh. yeah or to, or to get away from um, a tight personal space uh, <laughs> yeah if, i mean i can go up north i've got a, there's a canadian guy i know chuck um he lives it's a few hours north i've got in the winter, you can do it in a day because you don't need to start fishing early. But in the summer, like you just got for the weekend, mm. and the fishing's great. It's totally different because there's just hardly anybody there, you know. Uh, how far north is that? Did you say? Uh, it's probably. I mean, it's it's not that. I mean, in Australian terms, it's probably not actually that far. Um, mm. It's like maybe I don't know, hundred and fifty kilometers, something like that. Two hundred. Oh, okay. Yep. I mean, yep, that's, that's. I don't know a commute, a daily commute to an Australian. Uh, that'd be a morning fish for sure. Mm -hmm. Be back by lunch. Mm -hmm. But um, <laughs> unfortunately, well, uh, it is from here anyway. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, we got that. Uh, we got the same problem here where I live as far as um, uh, having a having a um, what do you how do you word it? A different perspective on personal space with fishing mm -hmm. than say it was ten years ago. 
I mean, social media's got a lot, a large part to play for that as well, right? Like, yeah, yeah. It's like, I mean, I don't take a lot of pics of pictures of fish because I'm often fishing on my own. And yeah, and like, like, it doesn't. Like, I don't care. It, like, it doesn't. I've got nothing to prove to somebody that I can catch carp or whatever. You know, like yeah. I got, I, I catch thirty or forty carp a week in the river up up the road that I can walk to. You know, like I don't need to take pictures of them. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, what are you selling? I mean, like this, and the reason I say this is because, like, you know, it's it. I hear what you're saying. Like, I I feel a responsibility to take pictures of my fish because of what I do for a living, right? Um, and um and uh you know I I I think we've said on the show before that um if if someone's going to go around preaching something about fly fishing and they're selling that 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 whatever they're preaching that photos really are that that credibility you know like they are that they are the currency of, of that in that that aspect really on it you oh, know what i mean um I absolutely i mean like you need to show somebody i mean like, i mean this is the thing like I, the, the the circle of people who i know sell flies to is tiny because i've just called you know i've just cut people out because i'm like ah, i'm not interested I, I don't like people and dealing with them yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so but at the same time if if i was ever to like start doing it again i need to be able to show like look why you why you should tie this mulberry pattern i can uh-huh. sit i can i can tie it in the video and say this is how to fish it you know mm. well that, but I then, think that's great that you're given the, the pattern context too you know like, like you go and show somebody how to do it right yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's great you know like if, if you're going to tell people that's how you make porridge you want to show them you know the <laughs> get eaten so I, know, I was wondering if that was going to come up in the podcast have you heard mm-hmm. that martin all right goldilocks I mean, fuck too. Um, <laughs> no, no, there was a there was an Australian ad on TV that uh, yeah. was a, a porridge ad, and it was a kid with a Scottish accent saying, "It's delicious, but it's nor how you make porridge." And oh man, have you heard it? No. Oh, I should <laughs> I should find it and send it to you. It's a nice. it's a it's a classic for Australians to imitate the Scottish accent that ad yeah. because it was, it was the kid that said that. So it was um. Voltage yeah, managed yeah. to sledgehammer it into the conversation so brutally that I couldn't just glance past it without bringing it up. <laughs> but yeah, un- Uncle Toby's um, rolled oats. But the, getting back, oh, was it? getting back to the um, smokers of the show. Oh now. whole generations of Australians, uh, yeah, got got good on that. So, but Martin, with with that, in in terms of carp on mulberry flies and and mm-hmm. you know carp carp in general in in Japan. Mm-hmm. And showing people, you know, the context of it, you know, like is, uh, I, f- I feel like it's such a valuable service to show people these things in action because, you know, nothing, particularly with the video, people can see, you know, the pattern, they can see how to tie it, they can see the problem that it solves, which is something mm-hmm. that I've been sort of highlighting. And then, you know, like um, it, it might, they mightn't use that exact pattern. They might use a mulberry, but, you know, they might be fishing, say, for Sooty Grunter and, in a river that they've eaten figs or something, you know what I mean? Like some other sort of aerial, you know what I mean? Like they can take that away. They can take those learnings and they can use it to apply to a, a local issue, a local fishery and, and turn it into success. You know? Exactly. I mean, that's, that's how, like I had seen mulberry patterns before and I had noticed fish feeding on them and I just fished a purple globug and I caught a few fish. Mm-hmm. And then it was actually, I was in Malaysia fishing with Paul Arden. And, oh yeah. Um, there's a certain time of year that the gurami um, feed on figs. Yep. And and they found them very difficult to imitate, um, to get that like 
the right the right buoyancy and sort of like semi opaque body rate. You can't it, you can't do it with foam. Um, like you could maybe like we were I was messing about with like um, spun wool and silicon and stuff, right. and it was you were yeah. getting there, and it was actually to give Chris his, his due. It was something he said about when he first started tying deer hair, like divers and that Dalbergs, yeah. how he thought they were just a morning fly because they would get water, like they would absorb some water and they would they wouldn't float anymore. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at figs, mulberries, probably most soft fruits. I mean, I've not tried. I've not tried them all, but <laughs> I imagine most of them they float in a similar way, which is they 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 they, they hit the water with a plop. They come back up, and then they hang probably like an iceberg, right? Like ninety yeah. percent under the water. Right. Eventually, they will gradually sink. Yeah, they do. So, I decided to tie, a, revisit the deer hair mulberry, but instead of packing it tight, I would spin it and leave it quite loose, and then I would sit. I mean, it, it's it's anal is ending, but I sit and I get like um, like mucilin paste, right, like a paste base floating, and I rub it into like just the back, just like the top the third. Top. Right. Yep. And I, I trim it right flush to the hook shank on the grape side. Then the mm. top just gets rubbed and gets waterproofed. And that's just enough to hang that hook. And I use a a, he, a heavy trout hook. It's a Camazan B one seven five. Um, I don't know. Like, there's probably an Airex for freshwater five eighty would do, or like the Fuller Mill heavyweight, or well, that's probably another brand. But anyway, mm. um. It's, it's strong enough for even big carp, but it's light enough that it will float, and it will float correctly. Uh-huh. And you just, you just catch, like, I went for I'd go and I'd catch a couple when they were charging them, you know, that like they're all competing, and you just catch them, they're easy, until you've made the fish spooky because you've caught every one of them over the course of a few weeks. Mm. And you would, you'd be lucky to get one, and then you just keep, now they're eating it like they believe it, you know? Yeah, that's sure, that's sure. that's what you got to do, eh? Like that's um that's the yeah, essence yeah. of um of solving that problem with fly tying. They got it. They got to believe it. And and like people, I mean, I see this with it. There's a there's a I've got this anti jet carp fly that I've nearly got right. Um, for fishing in muddy water, but I'm, I'm I've not posted any pictures or shown anybody because I know that somebody's going to go as soon as I do. Somebody will copy copy it or tie one of the failed versions that I thought of six months ago. Mm. And then go like this is amazing, blah blah blah, right? Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. And yeah. it's like it's not right because it's it's a it's I've I've tried I've already had that idea, mm. you know. And it's where you would always go first, well, you know. It, yeah, and it's not fair. It's it's I I find yeah I agree I I totally agree. It's it's not fair. It's not fair to the people that are that are um are getting introduced to the sport and 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 <clears throat> learning it. Yeah, because the, what's going to put what, what the one thing is going to put you off the sport more than anything else is not catching fish, you know. Right, exactly. And, right. Yeah, and it's um, you know, the best way to not catch fish is to use something that doesn't work, you know. So <laughs> and, until and, unless we, the only way we're going to know it works is if it works really. And it's uh, yeah. So I I hear what you're saying. As obvious as everything I just said sounds, 
it seems to be overlooked from a from a community of people that are meant to be have decent powers of observation you know, to, have, to have some form of success it blows me away I agree. um and i think as well right like it's nowadays there's so much information and if you're new like i mean you've got nothing like you if you're new you, you don't know who to believe yeah right that's the thing right and there's so many folk telling you they're experts know that i mean like to give you an example, I kind of get into it the other day with a guy, and I, I should just have left him because he was a moron and no worth, like, you know, like, no worth engaging with. But there was some guy asking about coating uh, buzzers, mid, like midge pupa, right, midge imitations. Yep. And he'd done one with a coat and a like, UV resin. It was very, very heavy, but the coat was incomplete, right? Mm. But what I mean is there was bare thread showing, right? So that's going to turn white and fall off once that fly gets wet. Yeah. Maybe maybe not immediately, but it is going to happen. Oh, for sure. And I just, and I just said to the guy, you'd be better just using like, your Sally Hansen's head cement, just getting it coat and letting it soak in, and then you don't need to work. You're obviously still learning and you're no, um, you're no maybe being particular enough about getting the coating done. Mm. You know, and instead of having a big thick layer sitting on top, that'll penetrate, it'll cohere with the thread rather than sitting on top of it. Yeah. You don't need to worry about it being fully cured. And then this guy's like, no, you can only let some other, let some young guy, right? Prof professional fly tire, uh, allegedly. Goes, <laughs> yeah. You can, you can only put head cement in a whip finish. And at that point, I should have disengaged. I went, oh, you're obviously an idiot. But I never... <laughs> Hang on a minute. So he said, you, you can only, you only use head cement on a whip on finish fly. Finish. Now, I said, what do you think we did before UV resin? Right? Yeah. You know, he's like, ah, he's made less durable flies. I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, and then, <laughs> I, and then I'm like, man, I'll put a butt, like, you're talking about midges. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll send you some, kid. I've been yeah. doing this longer than you've been alive. I'll send you some. <laughs> I'll send you some that I've, I've sealed with super glue, then coated with varnish while the super glue is wet. And you, go and, and, and you will lose every one of them before they're done. Right? Yeah. You know? <laughs> Like, don't, don't, fuck it. Like, but the thing is, they come in and they don't know what went before. Yeah. And, like, I mean, there's a lot of, brick, like, I mean, I, although I don't fish like that anymore, um, I'm still in touch with a lot of, like, guys in Scotland and that that are fishing these kind of flies, and I'm tying them for a couple of guys. Mm. Um, and I, But a lot of them, they went down the UV resin road, and then they've gone back to what we used to coat them with before. Because in a wee fly that size, it's actually quicker to use varnish. Because you yeah. don't need to pick up a light. You just take it, put it in the foam and put the hook in your, right? Yeah. And yeah. you could just leave it alone and you know it's going to cure, right? I think, oh, sorry, you're right, man. You're right. Um, but they can, they, they're choosing to go back because they know about it, right? Mm. But nobody's choosing to go back to epoxy for tying a surf candy. No, well, that, that's because you only get a couple of days out of it, though. That's where these things excel, right? Like, Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think, well, it's, it's something I was going to touch on there. I think people have got incredibly high expectations of... of, of it, it, fly tying seems to be the only industry that doesn't... that thinks UV resin is UV resin. You know, it doesn't... To try and explain to people that, that, that like, it's not all the same, like, even the same <laughs> formula is, is one thing. 
another thing is that like people call it UV adhesive, UV glues. And I'm like, if people send me emails about that. I say, I'm going to correct you on the first thing. Then I'm going to explain every question you want to know. UV resin is not an adhesive. Although it's got great adhesive, it's not an adhesive. If you want no. to use an adhesive, use something that's labeled glue, you know, no. No. and it will, and it will work as, as, as you intended to. Um, yeah, I see people on, on videos using UV resin to put eyes on, like like a 10 mil eye. I'm like, I, wherever. Just, just, oh no, yeah. I'll a resin and glue it and go, oh, my, that's my eyes glued on. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm like how, how, is the, how is the light getting to that? You know, like it's whatever light doesn't touch, it's not going to cure, you know, and, and, and then, yeah, just rehydrate 100%. It's, um, it's not a fish that's taking that eye off. That eye is just coming off. Yeah, 100%. It's just coming yeah. off. And it, like, things like that. And I mean, maybe even to come back to what you said at the beginning, I know you probably look at a lot of my, like the saltwater videos that I, I would do rather than some of this stuff. But like, I think even, um, I mean, when I was growing up, I loved fishing like, like traditional North Country and Clyde style spiders, which are very small, very sparsely dressed wet flies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we would tie them with like, Pearsall silk, right? Which a Pearsall silk is about, it's probably like a 210 in a year, right? Yeah, uh-huh. I've, I've, I've seen it for rod building, for glass rods and stuff, right? right. Same stuff, but, right? But, but, aye. Yep. And we'd be tying, right? So, it, it, like, Uni Big Fly is the same diameter, right? Or something, right? right? And, or, or maybe Uni Big Fly is a bit thicker, but you get the idea. But we'd be tying, like, 14s and 16s with that. Crazy. Right? Mm. But the thing about it is, it's not that strong. So you need to really get to learn to balance the tension. And if you're tying, I don't know, like, right, Greenwell's Glory, everybody's probably, well, I don't know, but people have probably heard of that. The original Greenwell's Glory on a 14, and you tie it with a primrose silk that you wax. And you, you've only, you've got, there's no way that you can put an extra superfluous turn of thread in there. Right? Without because there's nothing to hide. It's just a thread body with a rib, a bunched starling wing, bunched and split, and then maybe say three turns, two or three turns of a hen hackle, right? Hmm. Um, and you've got to put this on this thing that's seven mil long with that thick thread, right? It's a yeah. bastard. It's an absolute bastard when you're learning it. But see, when you can do it, they yeah. look great. Because the silk's got lovely translucency, but also that lets you do other things later, hmm. right? Like when you when you start tying something different, because you're not addicted to thread wraps, right? You see all yeah. these guys like Semperfly Nano Silk. I'm using this fucking 20 or 10 denier Nano Silk to tie this size eight fly or size six fly. Hmm. It means I can get loads of tons of thread. Why? Why do you want loads of tons of thread? Yeah, you know, you're, you're just putting more of a more expensive, like less efficient material. You're taking more time. It's costing you more money. As as a retailer, Martin, I'm going to have to stop you there. That's like, <laughs> <laughs> <I'm only kidding. laughs> you know what I mean, right? Like I do know what you mean. It, in fact, for, uh, for a while there, I was doing Zoom classes when COVID started, uh, and I'd have I'd have a, a you know ten people in front of me, and Mate, those who are listening to this who've done those classes, you'll you'll know that too much thread. You don't need that many wraps. Just just one right. or two. That's it. You know, the right. the the biggest killer yeah. of so many people's flies is is um is too much thread. 
You know, it really is. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, um, I'm definitely, I'm definitely agreeing with what you're saying there, mate, for sure. At uh, the um, putting that nana, that 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 um, uh, Persil's silk. Um, I didn't realise it was like a two ten denier that stuff, but it's, uh, it's, it's heavier than. I mean, it's maybe not exactly two ten, but it's yep. it's definitely heavier than like a unisex or it. Yeah, okay. You know, considerably yep. heavier. Um, yeah. And for those wee flies, you know, like it teaches you a skill that. All right, you don't need to learn that. If you're happy tying flies away, folk, you know, if folk are happy with the flies, fine. Hmm. Right, but. Why, if you're going to do it, why not try to get a wee bit better? Would Would you say? I mean, you, you scroll through your your catalog on YouTube. Mm -hmm. What would you Would you say maybe this is? If not, what would be the single? Like you, you tie a huge diversity, you know. And there's got to mm -hmm. be a um, you know. I, I know I got something in my mind's eye that, that would answer this question. I'll be, but I'm interested to hear what you would think about um, what would be the one skill. Um, a fly tie would lead, need to know to be able to tie this sort of diversity of, uh, of flies that work in different materials and, and, and for different genres of, of fly tying? Um, the one skill. If you're going to pick one, like it's, um, if you're going to pick one, 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 one most one, transferable tying skill is the pinch yeah. and loop. Uh, a pinch and, a pinch, uh, like a, a whip finish with your fingers, you mean? No, no. When, so when you're tying in a material, um, in order to avoid it rolling or slipping, you you can you grab the material and instead of just you, you run your thread between your thumb and the material, let it be loose and then down between your index finger and the material. Yep. And when you draw down, it tightens down and it cinches it without moving the material. Like a pinch oh. trap. You caught a pinch trap? I don't know. Oh, I've never uh, caught a pinch trap. I just I just know not to. You got to work with the thread in doing that. You know, some right. materials you might have to start on your side of the hook and let the thread carry it over. Sometimes you want it to happen, like spinning deer hair, as an example. Aye, but, aye. Yeah, but um, but I know I think, that. I think that yeah. sort of pinch control, pinch and I, thread control, uh, because like, you, you can use it for everything. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that's a that's a uh, a skill because the, I guess what people need to understand, like to expand on that that aspect of fly tying is particularly with something like streamers or something like that, if you get one that kicks to the side, it's generally because there's one, more material on one side of the hook than the other and there's an uneven drag. Um, that, that's a, that, was a, that aspect of flight tying was a really confusing part for me to, to learn a while ago, particularly with, um, you know, like bendbacks or something like that. They'd kick to one side and I'd be like, what the fuck is going on, you know? But um, it was that. It was that. There was just too much. There was an uneven amount of material on one side that there was on the other. Um, I yeah. mean, and that's that's something like when you like when you understand like so uh, material distribution. I don't know if I would say that's like a I mean, it is a time skill, but it's something else as well, right? Like yeah, like when you understand the concept, you can then use it on right? all patterns. On, I, and like you can go, all right, I want um, I don't know, I want like I want this flight to do something, mm. you know, uh, like. Well, I mean, maybe, maybe like ESOX flies, for example, right? Um, you could, without forgetting about wiggle tails and all that, just that's something else. But like, you could probably put the same tail, right? And this is something that I think a lot of folk would, I should maybe do some videos because folk could benefit from this. You could put one tail, right? Like, put a bucktail, four saddles, and then some flash, 
something in the middle, right? Polar polar chenille or something just to fill the shank. Mm. Then a tie a bucktail, can hollow tie it if you like. Right, make sure everything's nice and even, and that's your that's the back end of your fly. So mm. this this is feeding in what you're saying, I think, Chris. Like when 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 you understand how the you like this hydrodynamics work. Yeah, uh, I do like that. Good work. <laughs> that you can then you, you, all you need to do is change the head, right? Yeah. You yep. can you can tie a big high flat head so that it cuts like a jet bait. You know, you, you can you can put like a a, a a rounder head so you get more of a long glide. And that's before you even start thinking about weight distribution. All you've done is learn how the, how the material distribution on the shank affects how the fly behaves. Mm. And then once you've learned that for that fly, well, you know it works for another one. Yeah, and yeah. You can well, that, you're good. Yep. You can instantly identify if you, if you if it's a new pattern that you're trying to work on to fix a problem or solve a problem. Mm. You can instantly like if something's not working, you can instantly go well. That's it's it, it's something to do with this, right? It's something to do with the shape of the head, or then you can check the head. Is it behaving the way I wanted it to? Is it shifted in some way or whatever, you know? Mm. And identify the issue, and then go and fix it with another one. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. And like, I mean, I mean, it's even th like again, it's it's no skills, but there's things that you can just there's facts that you can learn, right? You don't need a video to tell you. You can just learn that it's true. It's physics, like. The length of a turbulent stream, right? The length of a what? Sorry, a turbulent stream. Oh right? yeah, yeah. Right. So, yeah. and like what water pushing actually means, because I think a lot of people mean think when you talk about like a water pushing fly, a lot of folk probably imagine the water getting put like the bow wave is the water getting pushed in front of the fly, but the water's no compression. It's like it's being displaced and moving around and creating vortices to the side, right? Yep. And that's what makes your tail swim and all that, right? That, yeah, yep. You can you can you can get better at that by going right. Well, how long is this? How long is the turbulence before it collapses? Mm. Yep. Right, and a turbulent stream. I don't know if you you probably do, but it's ten times the length of the diameter. Oh, I didn't know that. Right. So if you've got if if you've got a if you've got a um like a disc in the front of your fly, right, mm. and it's and it's ten mil. See that 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 turbulent stream, unless you've got something else to keep it open, is going to close a hundred mil behind the disc. Right? That's interesting. And where where that closes, where the turbulent stream comes together, is actually where you're going to get the most movement in your tail. So you would then might have your the back end of your tail maybe at hundred and ten mil, right? Because the, the the stream doesn't come together in a fixed point. It's it's juking left and right and up and down, you know, because it's turbulent. Yeah. So so you can maximize you can maximize the amount of let's say I'm going to say movement rather than action in the tail end of your fly just by knowing that that number and it's yeah. dead easy ten times the length. Yeah. Does that change so, the speed that I was just about to say that. Like if you were gonna tick it along like at, at a snail's pace, right? Mm -hmm. You know, no, it's like it, it, it's, it stays open, it's just the turbulence is less violent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, it was. It's uh, what's his name? This the Swedish guy, uh, Mikkel Froden. So he he does a lot of like modern salmon flies, um, and like he invented the the tube system that they're all copying. And he's got this thing about like the, these disc cones that he puts in the front, 
and that's how you size the disc cone to the size of the fly. Oh, okay. Like those turbo discs, those things? Like... Aye, turbo discs, aye. The, the Mikko Foden turbo discs. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, right. You know, like, and I mean, that's the thing, right? I'm, I'm into oil, all of it, so that, you know, you can steal stuff. Yeah. It it's um it's an interesting it's an interesting theory. Eh? I mean, I can I'm just going over my head of, of real life experiences where I think that could apply to. And, and you know, um, I think that uh, if you're listening to this, don't I, I think it'd be fair to say, and I wonder if you'd agree that it doesn't necessarily mean that the fly past 100 mil will stop moving. It just no, no, means it, that that doesn't at all. It just means that 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 100 mil is where the turbulence stops. Correct. So, but the turbulence the turbulence with while the turbulent stream is open, right, that distance within the 100 mil is what helps stop the fly collapsing, mm. right? Where it comes together is where you start to get the wiggle of the material, like the, the tail. That makes sense? Yeah. Yep. Look, like if you look at like a, like a Buford or something, right, like, all right, there's pass-through in a Buford's head because it's no solid, but you're still going to get quite a wide turbulent stream with it. And but when you notice, like even when you strip a fly like that, or a beast, say, right, because or a, a bulkhead, mm. there's there's enough turbulence created that it doesn't totally collapse on the strip. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah, yeah, right? absolutely. That, that bit, and then you, if you watch them in the water, you will see a bit where like, the, especially if you've got like the long saddles. I think Bob Popovich has got a video on where you see this. Most of the fly is fairly open and ripply. Yeah. And then the tail is kind of coming together, but the saddles are like really kicking. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and that's because they're at the end of the, whatever, like, because the, the water displacement's continuing along that fly because you get the multiple ties, right? It's, you're, you're accentuating the, uh, the size of the stream. You yeah. Know, it's, not, it's not just open and then there's nothing behind it. You would you know? technically, with a beast fly, have that, disc for lack of a better term although it's not a, a hard disc like the right. like the tube flies but the reverse tied hair the re, the reverse tied bucktail facing forward and be pre-tensioned back each time would be that um would be, would be within that within the yeah. turbulence of the one prior really yeah, yeah. in the day it's uh right. it's a really inter- when you when you break it down that way um right. it's such a such a brilliant brilliant tie it's you know? a really good thing in all yeah and the, I mean, all right, you, once something's invented, you can't invent it. But if you look, like if you look at a, a beast or a bulkhead and then you know how it works or why it's doing that, then you can tie a better one. Yeah. Well, you can, you, apply, you, can apply, you can apply creativity based on observations of your local waterway then, you know. It's, um, Aye. That's that's uh, but but you first you've got a you've got a it's it's like making variations of a clouser you know like you, you until you intimately understood and learnt and caught fish on how they were a, a clouser minnow how Bob Clouser designed it mm-hmm. there there really is you, you know you're kind of pissing in the wind about um you know like adding bits and pieces to it. Hi, exactly. Again, the conversation gets squirrely because I don't want to discourage people from being creative, but I think that I think it'd be a huge miss, you know, Aye. like uh, in that for that fly to use that fly as an example of based on what we're talking about to not understand the beast as well for for what it is before branching out to um Aye. 
yeah. like, there's, yeah. there's, there's understanding the, the, the mechanics and what's behind the idea of the fly and all that, right? Mm. And, like, and also, like, I mean, we've, we've spoken about this off air before and all that, like, about, like, crediting or, or acknowledging where something comes from mm. and giving credit to the folk. Um, and that is, I would say, broadly speaking, true. <laughs> right? There are, yeah. there are issues where I, like, I've not got a lot of time for it. Um, mostly with freshwater guys, you know, it's like, um, I grew up lock style fishing, right? A lot of lock style stuff, wet flies and all that. And like guys, oh, I've invented this flat pattern and folk go, this is the originator of this pattern. But there's only 12, there's only 12 wet flies. Everything else is a, a, just a colour variation. Yeah, right, okay. Right? Yeah. I mean, realistically, there are, there are, I mean, there might be less than 12. But let's, let's say 12, right? So everything else is just, I've, I've changed, like I've put a blue hackle in the front or something, yeah. you know, and they go, it's a new pattern. And then, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of glad to see that more modern fly tying or more modern flies in that respect are moving away from that slightly. And they've just been referred to, let's, the colour scheme is the name of the fly now. But there are still folk that go, oh, you know, the originator. You've originated nothing. Right? Yeah. Bob Popovich has originated stuff. Yeah. Bob Bowser has originated stuff. Um, you know, and like, I mean, I've got a lot of videos on my, my YouTube channel, as you said, like, and it's, it is widely diverse, but there's not that many of them I would say, this is my pattern, you know, mm. or this is my fly. A lot of them, I mean, most of it's existing flies and like, I, I try to kind of break down why something is or how to tie it, you know, mm. um, because like, I just, it's, it's just a conceit, you know. Um, ta- like, oh, I invented this. Look, saw a guy not that long ago tied a schminnel with an Arctic fox tail and gave it a name. Yeah, no, it's a yeah. yeah. Um, if, if there's a, if there's a, 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 if if someone was to explain that there is a problem that they needed to solve, <clears throat> and there was a reason why they tied that particular pattern. Or a variation of an original pattern, um, a different way that the other one wasn't going to solve that problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I mean more than just putting a weed guard on something. You know, for example, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, like I think, I think it's fair enough. I don't think, I don't, I think that, like, uh, you know, I agree with what you're saying that like everything's being done. There's nothing that's going to be that far out that's so new um, that it's what, not a derivative you know, of something that's already been done for sure. What, what I mean is. Um, like, there's going to be a functional change in the fly for it to be a new fly. That's what I mean. Yeah, right? I agree. I agree. Right? Like, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think everything has been done. Um, I mean, that, I, I sent you that message earlier. That guy's tied like this, that slow water game changer shuffle top water thing that looks like it would be appalling to cast. Yeah. I mean, that's like they're obviously they've seen that platform. But the conventional guys are fishing big, noisy topwaters. Um, so he's put a howitzer head on it and then stuck what looks like four mil foam, a big sheet of it behind the head, right? Yeah. Oh, is yeah. that guy, was that guy, I didn't, 
I can't recall the photo to see a fly rod in the photo. Was it was that a conventional dude? Wasn't no, no, it? That, that that was a fly. That was a fly okay. rod. Gotcha. I mean, yeah. um, but you know, you know, what I mean, like that's that's he's taking something and he's running with it and he's making it do something else. Yeah, yeah. You know, but but even like um, you know, uh, it it. Look, people know this already. I mean, that, that that slow water game changer, the, the idea of the foam Taz, I mean, I've explained it a hundred times on the show. Yeah. It's um, it's still, it's still. I mean, I, I don't go around calling it um, something else that's, you know. Uh, you still call it a game changer. It's still called a game changer. When, when I already know that the game changer was called something else before Blaine came out of it, you know? You know, the fact of the matter is that, it's it's paying homage 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 to the person who was influencing before and it's and it's showing a trail of building upon what's come before that's how that was my my thinking of you know doing the doing the right thing by maintaining the name game changer in it you know at the end of the day it's so, a, I think so. Um, yeah absolutely agree you know um and i mean there's a lot of things like i mean like, like if, we, if we examined lane in any detail, like uh, the the body tubing, for example, right? Like a couple of years ago, like, I tie flies for um, Joanne at uh, Sport Fish in Asia for the sailfish, right? Yep. And he asked me for something that would hold its profile a bit wider. Yep. So I tied basically a cam sigler and I put a boat it's bigger than the stuff that they sell for fly tying. I just put like the cable guard, fluorescent pink cable guard. Oh, yeah. Uh, like 50 mil, right? And I put a cone of that in the middle of the fly. Again, thinking about the turbulent stream, essentially. And then bef before like, the final tie of hackles, so maybe the final two ties of hackles in the marabou, right? Mm. And then so that when it was in the water, it wasn't like slimming down. Does that make sense? Like it was yep. like, the, the, the the tube was holding it out, so you get like you'd get like a even wet and under pressure for water, you would still have like a two and a half inch wide profile that the fish can look up and see yeah and i posted a picture of it and see the amount of folk that were saying to me credit due that's blaine chocolate's idea blah 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 well first of all no it isn't <laughs> it's no blaine chocolate's <laughs> idea right i was i was asked to do something by somebody else to solve a yeah. specific issue right and also fold it back body tubing right that was available before I started tying flies 30 years ago. Yeah. Right? Like, um, uh, Mossy's Fat Boy. Yep. Right? Davey Watton tied a shad pattern. It's in a book. I've got the book. Yeah. Um, I used to get it out of the library when I was a wee boy. This book, right? And I saw it on Amazon and bought it. That book was published in 1990. Yeah, right. Okay. A shad tied with the easy body. You know, fold it to make the shape of the shad, the like a, a shad for predatory brown trout. So, yep. why do I need to say here's Blaine Chocolate's idea? Well, Blaine, Choc Blaine Chocolate's not standing because he's got books to sell. He's yeah. not standing there. He's not standing there going. By the way, I get this idea from. Right. No, you're right. I, I get the impression that um, after the, talking to talking Blaine, I, that he um, uh, by a by a a, a Helgramite game changer. Helgramites don't swim like fish. Don't yeah. You? <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. Well, it becomes that's 
See, this is when uh, this is when the discussion turns to like, is it is it a representation of the prey item, or is it a, is it just a critter? You know. I know. I mean, there's a lot of this, right? Like, hell, I mean, I think it's umqua sell like a hellgramite crayfish, right? Yep. Hellgramite crayfish. And oh, sorry, I hellgramite crayfish, a game changer crayfish, right? Yep. There is no fish in, there is no fish that has ever eaten that fly that thinks it's a crayfish. No. <laughs> it thinks it might think it's a bait fish escaping, but it, there's no think it's a crayfish. I I I think that <laughs> I think fish the fish some fish have got. I mean, look at a spinnerbait, right? There's oh. not a fish on the planet that looks like a spinnerbait, you know. No. So you know, like the, you're starting to you're starting to throw things at fish that are, um, that are reacting through their uh, whatever whatever instincts they've got to define a prey item, you know, when it, oh. when they can't. They don't look at it and go, that thing doesn't have the white spots of the um of the it's fish moving. I normally eat, you know? It's escaping, it's moving, it looks alive. It's 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 tickling my lateral line, you know, it's um it's, or it's, it's fucking got, me off and I'm going to kill it. Yeah, it's moving right. it's moving in in a in a fashion that would indicate that it's alive. Yeah. And, and so it's I mean yeah. fine, right? It catches fish good. Yeah. I mean, but like is it necessarily catching fish better than Something else, I don't know, right? But but I'll tell you one thing, so I'm fucking sure. They're not eating it for a crayfish, and anything that eats that hellgramite is not eating it for a hellgramite. Yeah. You know? Because um, yeah. they don't swim like that, and they don't move like that. No. I've got a broader question for you, and, and please you know, please don't view it as a as a move away from this topic. I just want to expand upon it. Aye. What, you know, why... Given that, given that these things aren't being taken as prey items, what does what does Martin White think? You know, fish. You know, what, what's the decision criteria, in your opinion, for putting something in their mouth and chewing on it? Right, that's an interesting. That's an interesting question. I think there's. I mean, I, I generally I'm going to go for something that I think represents forage, right? Whatever yeah. it might be. I, I mean, I, there might be con- I might go in certain conditions and go, well, no, I, I, I need a reaction. I mean, it depends what you're fishing for as well, right? Like, yeah, well, well, let's look at some of the things you spoke about. Like, you were talking about the some of those classic Scot- uh, southern Scottish salmon flies, like the spider oh. patterns, you know, soft hackle type things. Oh. Is there really spiders swimming around in the water? And They're just called spiders. Because of the, no. the, like the green rail's glory, for example, represents like a, um, a, 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 an olive mayfly, a small olive mayfly. Uh-huh. Right? So there's forage patterns, right? But there's also things like I, I'm, I'm a great believer in sticking a bit of fluorescence in a pattern, um, <laughs> even if it is natural or Im- like imitative, because it's it's like the the it's close enough, but it just stands out a wee bit. You know, that's the one that gets eaten. Um, like, you know, you, you, you're looking for triggers and all that. Mm. Or, I mean, insects, like, imitating insects. When folks started tying parachutes and emerging patterns years and years ago, it was, like, groundbreaking because the flies were now sitting struggling in the film and looking like something that was in difficulty. Yeah. Right? So that's a trigger, and that's a meaningful trigger, right? Mm. Um, 
But I mean, there's all sorts of factors come into it. Season water clarity. Like, I mean, when I'm carp, when I'm carp fishing, I think a lot of people are far too conservative in their color choice for carp. Yeah. Um, especially in winter. Um, like years ago, I read this. I, I mean, I, like, I, 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 I'm, I consume so much fishing media, and I always have, and not only fly fishing. Um. I read this crafty carper magazine, bait, bait fishing magazine, and this guy was fishing in this place in the winter, dirty water, and he was fishing fluorescent pink buoyant baits just about an inch off the bottom. Right. And the explanation given, because they've, I mean, this is something that's been researched, right? They're talking about, apparently when the water starts to cool below about 10 degrees, carp actually lose visual acuity, right? They get, their eyes get worse, right? I don't know why that is, but that was what was in this magazine. And I've always remembered it. I was like, that's, that's mad, right? I can see just as good when it's cold, right? Mm. Um, so, like, in the winter, I will put one, like, a a worm that's, like, get two strands of ultrasound, one of them's magenta and one of them's, it's like an electric chicken colour scheme, you know? Mm. Um, and the fish eat it because they can see it. Yeah. I wonder if it's got to do with climate. Like you're talking, that magazine's probably a U- European magazine. I'm guessing yeah, yeah. it's probably it's probably not from Queensland in Australia. I'm guessing, but uh, the crafty carper does it have recipe. <laughs> <laughs> the crafty cook with the carpenter's kitchen, right? Um, but anyway, uh, I, I wonder, you know, like when they when you talk about them. Um, I mean, you can always keep boiling these reasons down, you know. Like I think, and I can't help but go head in the direction and go, why can't it not see? I wonder if it's uh you know, it's a membrane that comes over its eye to protect itself in the colder water or, or something like that, you know? But, like that. Yeah. Maybe, um, the juice inside the eye thickens up, I don't know. Yeah, there's got to be there's got to be some sort of some reason, bio, uh, yeah, evolutionary or biologically, that uh, they can't do that, uh, you know? So, yeah, which, uh, which you know, obviously, but they got, I mean, we, we, I don't know if you listened to the episode we did with, um, oh, I covered Dan. Fraser. Dan Fraser. Dan Fraser. Dan yeah. Fraser, yeah. And he's, talking about the senses that that carp have over them like taste buds all the way up up to over their, oh, to their yeah. dorsal spine and i mean they do they even need to see you know but um i think that i when people talk about things like uh color on say a dahlberg for example mm-hmm. i think of a similar thing like that you know like there's there's going to be the 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 noise the silhouette um yeah the movement that's going to make that fish um, come up close to it but i think i don't think fish are that committed from like two meters away that that they can't turn around at the last minute and i think that sometimes it might be the color that they might see that 100 mil away they're going oh nope and then I, just you know and just turn away at the last minute you know um, well, I mean, there can be i mean that's this is this is why we keep coming back to doing it though because like you never know you never really know you never really know you're absolutely correct no, you, you, can, you can you can change something like and and it starts working and and you know unless I mean, it, it could be a different fish, right? It might not be the same fish that's coming up and eating, you know. Or you, you can never be a hundred percent sure that that's what's making the difference. The the one the one the only way this is the this this is the sad fact in the matter is like you, you should be we should be recording something like that like a miss, you know. And and the and the fact is like the weather, the water temperature, the time of year, the size of the fly, the color of the fly. There's oh. it's like there's like a it's like a like a, a safe code. Of like uh, of of factors that have got to be entered into that you've got to figure out 
the right formula to be able to repeat oh. that again. And if you do that in September, then it might not work in in October, November. So let's jump a bit oh. further. Forward. So then you've got to wait till September the next year in that weather period <laughs> to repeat that thing to go, yep, that's a pattern. You know? Aye. Aye. It's, I mean, it's, I, I, um, keep, I keep a diary. I keep a notebook. Yep. Uh, and I always have. Uh, yeah. And what what usually happens is if I have a hard day or whatever, I go back and I look through it, you know, for about the same time a year. Um, and often you go, oh, I I remember that now, you know. <laughs> mm. um, but like, and it does. I mean, it does help a lot. Like, you can you can you can really start to pattern things if if you're struggling to figure something out on the day. I mean, I, I've got the luxury I can go like before work in the morning, mm. you know, so I don't need to wait a month. I can go home and check something, go back the next day if the conditions are similar. Yeah, but like let's say salt water, for example, right? Like it's yeah. um, you know, if you wait two days, that's a pretty different tide, you know, right. and then and then you're coming up to needs, or then you might be coming up to springs, or you come up to a new moon or a full moon. Right. You, you really don't have that opportunity again within that within right. that with even within that week. You know? No, you're right. You're right, and and that's the thing. Like, it, if, unless you're living on it, you're struggling, right? Because yeah, like so. Um, assuming you don't live in in the tropics, right? Mm. Where you've got basically summer or year, uh-huh. right? And you go if, like I, I go into Okinawa. I spend probably three weeks out a year in Okinawa if I can, right? Yep. Um. I go to an I, I go to two islands. I'm not going to say where, where they are because they're famous for not being very good, but they're actually really good. Mm. Um, once you've spent years working out the tides and where to be, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. But um, but if you, if you get in there, if, if, like Okinawa has winter, right? I mean, it's not cold, right? But it's they've got a winter, and the fishing's not very good. So you've got a season from May. To say the end of October, right? Mm. And then you probably split that into three. Well, right. If you think, you just think about the progression of the seasons, right? Like, like the early seasons got to be it's still a bit cooler. Yep. You've, you've so you've got that. What we what saying, so you've got six, seven months. So you've only got two of the same tide in each window, and they're still going to be different. Uh-huh. You are, are the same. Like, the, you're, you're only going to have. Within two weeks, is that right? Is that my counting that right? You know, how many full moons do you get? You get six. Mm. So you get two full moons. So you get four springs, right? Before you're into it, like, and and the and the and the first third, then you get four in the the, the middle, and then four in the end, and they're all going to be different within the months. Mm. Yeah, but even within that first, or within that first four, you're you're kind of limited. Like there's there's going to be variation, but it's a year before you get that again. That's that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm no. saying. September only comes uh, around once once a year. Uh, you got to wait until that that it, it takes it takes years before you can recognise a pattern. Why? I mean, yeah. that's like, this this one of the islands that I, I fish. Um, and the guy that I always stay with the same wee bed and breakfast guy, and nobody ever stays there in the island for more than a couple of days because there's nothing on it. Mm. Um, and there's guides fishing the nearby islands, right? Mm. Um, I mean, they're, they're relatively, I think, I mean, I, I had never heard of them before, and I think they appeared during the pandemic, so that maybe says something about them as well. Um, 
but like they, they they went there a couple of times and they went, oh, it's not very good. Mm. But that island has like a barrier. It's got like a barrier reef and a lagoon and a very dramatic tidal shift on the south side. And in the north, it's got north side, it's got two big flats. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they fish differently on different tides, right? But it's taken me years to, to be able to get in there and go, right, it's, it's the neap tide in July and I know where I'm going, right? Yeah. Is it going to... It has years, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it going to give away the location if we... Because we don't have much longer to go with this podcast, Martin, but mm-hmm. um, and to, I'd like to learn a little bit more about the, the fishing in Japan, for sure, mm-hmm. but um, is it going to give away where this oh, is no. if you start talking about the species that you catch there? No, no. I mean, we, they're all across the, the Okinawa archipelago. Can we, uh, so what, what are you chasing? Here you go. So, again? so what is it? What species oh. do you do you do you hunt down there doing so, that? So it's mostly trevally. Um the probably the, the bulk of its brassies and yellow spots. Oh. Yep. Um which are good fun, man. I, I love them. I love you know, catching them. Mm. Uh, there's there's on one of the islands that I fish, there are so many trigger fish, it's unbelievable. But they're incredibly hard to land because it's like there's there's two reefs and they kind of sit in between them. If that makes sense. Mm, there's yeah. like a barrier reef and there's like an inner reef and you can walk out and you can wade the reef when it's at low tide. Um, you know, uh, on a neap it's maybe like ankle deep at low tide and yeah. you can walk along. And, but look, every, every 50 yards there's just a trigger tailing, you know, mm. but you lose them in the bombies a lot. Um, the last time I was doing I had two shots at permit. <laughs> oh, I was spewing. Um, I had a squimp on. There was two per- There was two permit on the back of a big stingray. Put the squimp in front and they ignored that. I quickly changed to a Velcro crab. Go and eat. Never get the hook in it. Oh. Put the hook, put the cast in it. And that fish spooked, but the other ones were still in the raid. Put the cast in again. That fish ate. Never wow. get the hook in it. Never get the hook in it. But what the fuck's this? I reckon the first fish had crushed the fly and like folded the hook. It hadn't he bent the hook, but he'd like folded it. Ah, uh, folded you know, the crab around flat. So folded the hook flat. Aye. Ah, oh. oh, I was spewing, and they were they were good size. Uh, they looked like bloaches. Oh um, yeah. But like, there, there are permit in Okinawa. There are no. There are there are islands where they are, but I don't know exactly what island that is because. Um, Again, it's like there's, they're not there in huge numbers, so you're not seeing it that often. Mm. But that's the first, like, in the 10 year I've been going there, that's the third time I've seen them, and it's the first time I've had like a proper shot. Mm. Uh, but yeah. there's, there's bonefish there as well. The first ever fly caught bonefish happened this summer. Oh, wow. In, in an island. Um, I, actually, for a while, I thought it was going to be me that got the first fly caught bonefish there, but I never got it. Somebody else beat me. But uh, yeah. <laughs> you get tuskies there. Eh? You get you get the old one. Um, actually, the islands I fish are a bit further south. It's the 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 further north Okinawan islands. Mm. There's there are more tuskies. I, I I see them now and then. I've never caught one. Um, yeah. Oh right man! Just... I mean the the fishing's good. Like I mean, I was in there with my mate Hiromiki this summer. Um, 
he's very new to saltwater fly fishing and he's too excited and too slow. Uh-huh. Um, like, like he'll be pointing at the fish going, look at that, look, look, look. And then it's past him. Instead of just, <laughs> you know, but, which is fine. But by the end of the week, he was starting to get some shots in and he was getting a couple of fish, right? Like, um, but we were out, there was like days I would like, there was nothing, never, I never caught anything huge, but you're walking along and like, sight fish an emperor, uh, like a spangly emperor, then you get another four or five trevally up to the 60, places. 70 centimetres. That's a good day. That's a great the place day. has got so many flats. I'm looking at it on the maps now. It's, um, I could totally understand why there's permanent bonefish there. It's, um, I'm, going it's to, I'm, going to, I'm going to type into the chat, but don't say the word. This is the name of one of the islands. Okay. <laughs> right, you, okay. You'll, see, you'll see the reef in the flat on the north um, if you Google Earth it. All right. Um, and then you'll see there's a bigger island to the west of it. Should I uh, I text it to you, Volts? No, I'm looking at it now. Oh, you got? Oh, you're in the chat. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, to be honest, man, it's it's brilliant. It's brilliant down there once you know the tides. You know that's it. I mean, a lot of saltwater fishing, right, is like that, right? Once you know the tides, it's good. But, um, oh, look at that. that's just magic. Yeah, I'm um, there's GTs. There's GTs. I've I've not caught any really big ones, uh, but I've caught a few like kind of what would you call them mid-sized jobs, fifty centimeter fish. You know, like ten weight fish, eight weight fish maybe. Um, uh, I've lost fly lines. I've lost fly lines to some monsters up there as well. If you're looking at that island that I sent you on the on the south side uh, where the reef opens up on the yep. southwest. Mm. Um, there's like a pre- you can see whether there'll be like a pressure edge, probably. Um, yep. Yeah. You know, you, you, you need to get the right tide so that you can get there. You know, when you've got a couple of hours, but I spent a day, I lost, I lost like three, three of the uh, real, real GT lines in a day there one day. Well, that's <laughs> <is bananas. laughs> And then, and then I left the twelve eight and the bed and breakfast for the rest of the week. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, man. That spot there is that. That's a long way. Wow. All right. I'm surprised China tried to claim it yet. But well, once sure. they once they once they invade Taiwan, updates are numbered. Yeah. But, no, I mean, the the there's the, I mean kingfish. No, like no, like the kiwis have got them or anything. There's kingfish, amberjacks. Yeah. Jeez. Wow. I gotta stop. Stop. I mean, the, the, yeah, the this this system of islands is what an eye opener. Um, like, I had no idea what this was like. I mean, is this is this a fly fishing destination? Do you see other fly fishermen there? Very rarely. Very rarely. Yeah. What about um, sports fishermen on the flats, like chasing the shallow water fish? No, not really. Does it get uh, netted, or is it commercially fished heavily? Well, or the 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 islands I go to, like that, became a marine. It's like a, a marine national park. Maybe maybe eight years ago now, um, so there's no commercial fishing in the zone, wow. which is pretty good. Um, like the northern, like main, the, the main part of Okinawa, there's still plenty of commercial fishing, uh, but they don't, right. they don't sure. net because they they like the tuna and all that. They don't want them damaged by the nets. Mm. Mm. They like catch them. Um, I mean, they're still taking the resource, but like, you know, it's no just as bad as a net. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So some of those islands around there, they're big enough to have mountains and there's streams on them. Is is there like, is there fresh water? There's, man, there's mangrove jacks in that there as well. Wow. Um, there, there, there's fresh water, there is fresh water fishing in Okinawa uh, and the bigger islands. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, you've got them as well, the jungle perch. I was just about to say jungle perch because you get them in Samoa and all that sort of stuff as well. Uh, but, uh, I didn't know they're in the northern hemisphere though. That's interesting. I mean, I, I don't know if it's the same fish or it's just a mistranslation, right? Um, oh, okay, gotcha. I mean, it might be the same fish, but I don't. But I would. Uh, and well, then let's see, if, let's see if Google will tell us. If you come yeah. to the mainland, like like the Nagasaki way and all that, there's like a lot of snapper. Uh, and this, if you're just sticking with the salt again, there's like mahi, tons of mahi. Oh, uh, no, I'm seeing pictures of Australia. No. Coolia, K H. I'll do it. K H. Okay. Um, Japan. And tell me about Ito. I've seen some photos of them. They, they look enormous. Are they a type of taman or? Uh, there's taming up in Hokkaido. Yeah. I, I, uh, I mean, I, I don't, I don't really fish in Hokkaido. I prefer it. Coming from a cold place, I like to go somewhere hot in my holiday. Um, mm-hmm. But, but uh, I mean, there's some big fish. Uh, I mean, there's some, there's lake trout in one of the lakes here as well near Fuji. There's some, some smashing trout fishing for the guys that are into it. I'm not really that interested anymore. Yeah. Uh, but the well. Part of it's the way that like, they're all at fucking double-handed rods and all that on the lake. The fish are far away, so you have to cast fast, far. Uh, so that's, that's why we use um, a double-handed rod. Like the fish are far. The fish were all in here this morning before you arrived. They're far away because you are slashing the water to bits with your space. <laughs> hey, just yeah. to interrupt. The um, I'm going to pronounce this correct. Iromoti Island, uh, Okinawa. Iromoti. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh, that's got the same jung- 100% the same jungle perch as we are here. Is it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's, they've got mangrove jacks here as well. That's probably one of the better places for mangrove jacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the right, wee, okay. The wee tarpon are there as well, the uh, Pacific tarpon. Wow. It's amazing. But Man, you, jungle you perch must do some serious caves. Mm. In salt water, that's crazy. They have, water, eh? they have that uh, pelagic larvae stage, you know. Uh, does it involve any benthic strata? No. Yeah. Developing their dentition during this pelagic larvae stage, right? Must be. I mean, yeah. <laughs> are they catadromous because of the... <laughs> Heaps of big words. Heaps of big words. Well, since we're talking about catadromy, is that the, is that the, the abstract now? The... Um, there's a species here that I really like fishing for for a day in the spring, and they're called maruta. They're like a, they're a pelagic. They're uh, a dace, aren't they? A pelagic dace. Yeah. Um, you can catch them on stream. They come, they come in the rivers like when the cherry blossoms are out. The sakura. The sakura, yeah, that's right. right. And it's, I mean, it's quite cool. Like maybe I'm getting old. I don't know. I used to not care that much, but it's quite cool. You're fishing there, and all these wee pink petals are following you. And these mad black and orange bullets 
out of the sea are coming up the river and you can catch some swinging streamers or you can nymph them and all that. Mm. Um, and they're good. Look, when they're fresh in the system, they're strong, you know, they fight. Uh, but then, okay, like, I, I, I generally prefer to nymph them. So, but yeah, a 30-pound carpool in your six-weight, you know, that's picked up your nymph and you've not been looting. And then yeah, go right, chase yeah. it in the river. Which did, is you, did you happen to see the um, the Japanese sea bass that got caught in Australia? Oh, I did. I saw that. I must have got there in a, a ballast tank or something. That's that's the um, that's the idea of how, how it got here, for sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, it couldn't be the only one. There's no way. But, um, yeah. It's the only one that's been caught. But uh, anyway, um, so I saw that on your socials the other day, you were out, out fishing for them, right? Oh, it was nuts, man. There's never been a day like that. Uh, <laughs> What was what was so unique about it? Like there was, I think it was so at the moment it's kind of when the big bait are in, right? The the gizzard shads and the scad, they're all mm-hmm. in the bay, right? And the 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 bass at this time of year are bulking up pre spawn. That's when you get a good chance to get like October, November, early December is when you get the best chance of a right big fish. Um, but usually you need to go to like, offshore points to find find the the shad, mm. um, not that far off, but like you kind of been tight to the structure. But there's a bit we always hit on the way out. There's like a, a concrete buttress uh, with a light on it, mm. and you, it's always good for picking up a couple of fish. Yeah, nice. Nice. and uh, I don't know. There been a couple of days of like a strong, strong onshore wind, and there was just a massive shoal of shad in there where they never are and the bass were going ballistic on them and it was just hours straight just fish after fish after fish that's awesome once we got onto like you know like because we rocked up i picked up my six weight with a wee rubber candy on it ping it in what's all that what's all this commotion you know and it was just the bait swallowing and then the 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 bass started blowing up in them and because there's a light you can see it's at night you can see them you know, you can see the bass as clear as anything because these just big black shapes, you know. Yeah. And end up up on like a nine, I end up like a nine inch Sedotti slammer. And Dave had like a, I think he'd like a, he was just fishing like an SF bait fish or something, something similar. Yeah. And it was just nuts, man. It was like doubling, doubling up. Let's, with nothing, the biggest fish I think was about 75 centimetres, which is a good fish. It's yeah, not right, huge, yeah. but it's a good fish. But like it was just like you know, it would go for five minutes and then it would just start again. Never seen wow. it like it. Um, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, that'd be um, they 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 just look they look very similar to um, well they just look like a a, a mixture of of a couple of different fish really I suppose like a snook and a, a jewfish uh, and a and a stripe and a striped bass that's they look uh, like a bit of a combination between that I suppose. They're good fun. They're good enough fun. Like yeah. Um. I mean, on, on a, we always go in, at night. Fly fishing during the day is challenging at best. Um, yeah. For them, but like, you can do not, you know, if, you, if you're doing numbers, you can get 60, 70 fish in the night. Mm. Um, when, especially when they're only anchovies and all that, because they're continually feeding. When they're yeah. doing the big stuff, numbers are usually much lower, right? Like, because they're no, 
they're 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 not as hungry because they're eating one thing and then they're resting a bit, you know. Yeah. Um, but you still can get a few. I mean, like that guy I sent you that picture earlier. Like that that fish. I mean, they they, they, they always they always long arm it in Japan, which I hate. It's hard to judge the fish. But I reckon that fish is seventy, maybe eighty yeah. percent. Yeah. I'm looking at it now. They don't worry. They, they as you would have noticed, they do it in Australia here too. In fact. Right. There's someone who might be really close to us on this show right now who does that too, you know? It's, uh, it's, I tell you, I've never seen a man with such fat fingers as Jeff Volta. <laughs> you, you will never see a happier woman. Anyway. Than Jeff Volta. And a frustrated man. Never gets past the fingers, I get it. And, um, yeah. Um, well, look. Um, sorry? I'm not saying that it's a good fishery though. Like, um, but I those fish, like if you're out throwing those big flies, man, it could be like two fish night, you know. But it can be something a bit special. Yeah, um, I like um, I like seeing big flies hanging out of fish. It's um, it's it's a, it can be a tough way to go for sure. But it's um, mm -hmm. it comes along those lines of of um, what we talked about earlier about you know you can be you know, pragmatic with your um with your fly selection, uh, your tying. Mm -hmm. But it's still cool to get something on on something like that, you oh, know. But aye. but it'll I've, be a grind. Right. You, you, yeah. And like that's not for everybody, right? Mm. I, I mean, I like the slammers. Like, I, I've really come on to Sudoti slammers in the last three years. Um, I really rate it as a as a big bait, like a bunker style pattern. But I've danced around them. I've never really got into it. But like, I, I believe that the weight that's in them, the way it works, is to assist casting and. Lots of stuff, right? Aye, that's that's the learning curve. Um, like, I mean, I, I know Gunnar did a video a while ago, but um, there's a actually I watched the video not long ago, and it's Mark Sadotti talking about it because I mean he used to be on sexy loops as well, like on the forum there, mm -hmm. and that was kind of more active. And I think he gives a better explanation of his system. Um, and like how you, you need to go and like basically add lead to a fly and then see how it casts, you know, and add a bit more. And then you'll, you'll hit a point where it starts to get worse. It gets better and better and it gets worse. Mm. So then you wind it back to you hit the sweet spot. How's it? So do they, I don't know how to tie them. But, um, so is there a method to tie them so you can uh, retrofit and, and, and remove lead? No. Okay. We, we, you need to do one. And then go and play with it in the park or in in, in the in the water, yeah. You know, and we are we are spill a wire really. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, and and then you work out how what length of what length of let's say it's thirty five hundred uh, thousandth wire. You, you work out what length you need for a nine inch fly on a on a six or SL twelve, and then that's mm -hmm. that's what you need, right? Mm -hmm. And then maybe you're tying a, a slightly thicker or thinner fly, you know you've got to be ballpark there. You know, mm. you never want to be far enough away that it doesn't, it doesn't, it, it, it's detrimental when you tie them. Yeah. 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 No, I gotcha. Oh, I'll have to look into it a bit further. It sounds like a really interesting and unique concept that, that doesn't look like there's anything else like it, actually, that Sadotti Slammer. Um, yeah. I mean, the fly in it, the, the, the pattern in it in and of itself is fairly simple, right? It's just yak hair or, or slinky yep. or whatever, SF blend. Yeah. It's, it's, it's how he weights it. It's how that weighting system works. 
Yeah, that's the part that interests me. It's, uh, it's uh, a big fly that can be cast on small rods as well, I, from what I hear. I mean, like, like an eight-inch one, I mean, I'm, I'm no... I don't, with, with, with the right leader, you could probably cast an eight-inch one pretty comfortably on a seven-weight. Yeah, right, okay. Right? I mean, don't do that. Put it on your ten and enjoy yourself. But like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you know what I mean? Like the the, I mean, but then you need to go and practice. Well, you know this. You practice your casting. Yeah, but I mean, like, what what kind of fish are you going to catch on a on an eight inch fly that you can handle on a seven weight? You know, as well. You know, it's um, yeah, it's uh, you might you might be able to cast it on it, but are you going to land anything on it? Yeah, that's, uh, that's 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 the thing as well, right? Yeah, you want yep. you want to have your ten weight and straight fifty, you know, and mm. put it out of whatever it is. Yeah. Hey, man. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to wrap this up, man. It's right. um, it's uh, it's 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 what we would class into our marathon grade podcast, right? Oh, it's uh, long. We've been we've been nice for a while. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. It's uh, it's actually crept up on me, you know. It's, um, that's for sure. But uh, the accent, mate. It's just easy to easy to listen to. <laughs> I mean, you that accent must have been the undoing of some amazing um, Japanese fish over the years, man. Oh well, I, well, I can tell you about that later. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, look. Uh, let's let's wrap this up and get the stories off air while we, while we got you. But um, right. for now, for the listeners to keep it PG, let's um let's wrap this puppy up, eh? All right, man. Cheers, guys. All right. Thanks, man. Joffrey, did you enjoy that, mate? Mate, I've been, I've been wanting to chat with with Martin for ages. You know, I've followed him on uh, on a f- you know a few different platforms. He spoke about the forum. You know, obviously he's well known on uh, a few different sort of forums and groups, uh, casting groups, fly fishing groups, and <clears throat> you know I've been following his um, his uh, YouTube tying for ages. So for me, yeah, I did enjoy it because it's it's always great to put a, uh, a face. To a name, or in this, you know, in a podcasting case, uh, a voice to the name, um, and um, and you know, I learned a lot from him. Um, you know, particularly about Japan, I had no idea that there was that many, you know, cool fisheries or you know, separate sort of, you know, islands. Um, and uh, you know, it was a it was a real geography and fishing lesson for me, mate. It was bloody great. What do you think? Oh yeah, it's um. There was a few opening things, yeah. Um, Okinawa, that, that those islands. I didn't. I, I maybe I think of Okinawa when I think of Karate Kid, <laughs> but um, it, I don't know the name of the islands they do. In I think that is where he's from, right? Like uh, uh, Mr. Mister Miyagi. But um, but um, I'm not trying to sound culturally insensitive when I say that. It's a movie. Jeez, you know, everybody relax. But um, um, anyway. Um, I was surprised at, at how far south into the tropical region that is, actually. Um, and to look at those flats there, yeah, I was um, I was kind of 
bit blown away there. I'm actually I'm actually on his YouTube channel right now because I was going to mention how many videos he's got, which I can't possibly count up. But one fish that I didn't get the grasp of when he was saying was that Maruta. I spelled it wrong, but I'm looking at one now. What a pretty looking fish, man! That 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 is something that I'd like to catch just to hold and look at. You know, it's um they're a great looking fish. But he has got man, I I don't I don't, should have asked him how many videos he's got. He's got a lot, like a lot of videos. You know. A lot. 267. How did you know that? Where'd you see that? I just made it up. Oh. Well, it sounded <laughs> pretty accurate. <laughs> <laughs> 267, Chris. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's cool. Yeah. Oddly see specific, what, man. Yeah. Have, a, have a look at... There's a fly here that I've just stumbled across um, that I reckon a lot of people have an interest. Tying the clam before the storm. The it's, uh, clam before the storm? Yeah. yeah, you can look that, that up. While, while I'm, I'm not joking. It's a, it's, it's um, it's a really interesting looking, um, pippy fly. Oh, cool, man. That's oh, well, it's interesting. I was about to say we had, we had a bad storm here today, but there was no clam. No, what I'm, we, I'm what lucky, man. Here? The, I'm Maybe the, thumb the thumbnails of uh, all these videos are pretty cool. You get, a, you get a, a look at his head. Small stream yeah. carp. Um, man, this guy is just. Relentless with his uh, with his video productions, great. Yeah, oh, it's I love crazy. It. It's just endless scrolling. It never, it doesn't stop. Yeah, tying a raghead. It's interesting, and and there's um oh yeah, tying a sea, sea urchin fly. I mean, it, this guy goes after a clam fly. Yeah, that, that's literally the tying the clam before the storm two years ago. One, well, yeah, right. Eh? So we that uh, interesting looking fly. You know, like uh, for for like there's heaps of people have tried um. Uh, heaps of people have tried, um, you know, building clam or yabby flies, you know, for our flat species and stuff. I mean, that's a pretty simple, effective looking one right there. Yeah, it looks good. Here's a here's a pretty good, another good one. I, I suggest you have a look at uh, the the near enough crayfish. It looks a lot like um, that's the Dave Whitlock pattern. Is it? Yeah, from memory. Yeah, it looks a lot like that um, Fukushima crab that um, that redfish pattern. It's so like a Chernobyl crab, yeah, but with our rubber legs. But that's not got rubber legs in it. But just the, the way that palmer chenille go, ah, slapping goes through it. Pretty cool. No, he's got some crazy videos, man. It's uh, a crazy amount of videos, and I think that um, you know, all like, this is the thing that I like, and I try to express during the podcast that, like you just said there, that was a Dave Whitlock's pattern. I didn't know that. Like m most of these seem to be patterns that have been other people's patterns that he's just he, he's representing incredibly well and um uh and and is not you know like you said in the podcast he's not about to represent that they're his his patterns and mm. i think if someone's going to a show you how to tie them and b talk about um the history behind them or or what problem that they've solved mm. this is a fantastic foundation for an aspiring fly tire to pay attention to and i think in in contrast to fly tires that might spend their day looking to create flies just for content uh, you know, people, you got you got to learn not to be distracted. You know, th this is this is the real deal for sure. Be attracted by the by the um, creativity of other tires, mm -hmm. but just 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 understand the start. You know, it might not be as glamorous, probably catch a lot more fish, but you just got to understand where it comes from. There's a lot. I think there's a lot of tires, aspiring fly tires, right now that that 
and rightfully so, if you're starting right now, you're looking at a lot of people that have um, that have probably started doing the sort of stuff that Martin's doing. Um, by that, I mean not necessarily trout flies or, or even saltwater flies, but uh, have have paid a lot of re- attention to what came before them, you know, what's worked, you know, like to tie flies to catch that fish, get that fish on fly, you know, like they get the numbers up because you want to fly fish, you know. This is this is that direction, you know. Like it's uh, it's easy to get distracted by fly tires versus fly fishermen. But Martin is a fly tire and obviously a fly fisherman. But his YouTube channel seems to portray himself as portray him as a fly tire, um, with a very fly fisherman uh, flavour. If you know what I'm saying. Well, you know, he, he dropped a few um, a few hints. I, I can't remember if it was during the body or or the bit that you know we spoke about afterwards. But he, you know, he's fishing carp three days a week. You know, yeah. This is this is this is a dude who's who's out there practicing. You know what he what he preaches, man. So, yeah. You know, to to be to be honest, when Martin speaks, I listen. You know, yeah. And uh, it is really hearing his his um um. I'm going to say humility is something I really value in someone, but you know, and his and his, you know, um, uh, he li- he likes to listen, and he he's a student of the game. He clearly does a lot of research um, too. You know, like his his passion for learning and building upon his knowledge base, is, you know, through through listening and learning as well as through practice itself. You know, he'd be a pretty handy fisher. Yeah, it it's yeah. clear you don't you don't get a it, it'd be incredibly rare to get someone who just ties flies for youtube content to be tying these flies but this mm. is this is i mean to be fair uh martin should have a lot more views than what he does you know when you compare him i'm not going to mention names in fact i'm not going to mention names i was gonna but um <laughs> a bit of a clue there um but i um i won't um but compared to some of the like the youtube stars the one like you know people people get quite lazy with observation because they're getting fed so much quality information about how to do something but but to but to to add to bring your own information to the equation and not notice that that person hasn't actually caught fucking fish on Mm. what they're what what they're selling you content they're fishing for you you are the fish and you took the fly whereas someone like martin is 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 legit probably along the same lines but wants wants you to have added value in that in that you know these flies it they're so worth your learning you know like it, it really is this is a martin's youtube channel is a is a book that you that that an old dude that you met on the water gives you to start you off you know yeah it's a it's a bloody virtual fly box so yeah. here's i've got some stats for you mate i've been crunching numbers you know while, while you've been talking you yeah. know how many videos he's got tell me 796 now how do you know that did you just make that up again to just film me again that would be hilarious if you did and he's got twelve thousand subscribers how do you know how do you know the videos oh, I, had, I had to count them and i had to count all the subscribers you know so it's i it's, feel it, fooled again mate it's it, <laughs> starting, can, can you believe we just spoke I wasn't talking for that long he's got he's got that level of of penetration and also you know that that level of commitment 796 videos he doesn't even mention it he's just so humble fucking legend you know 790 is for real 
He, he's got 796 videos, yeah? Yeah, man. Just count them. How do you count them, mate? How do you... I know how to count right. them, but there's, there's no three, way that you count three them. Three to a row, and then, you know, you just you just multiply it out from there. I've been scrolling the whole time I've been talking to you, and it just keeps going. I can't even get to the end of it. Well, you, you'll get to... There's about 266 rows, and there's three to a row that you'll get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair income, really, Vault. Well, that's uh, that's really interesting. You're really good. You're a good counter. Oh, man. It's just, you know, it's part of my commercial training, mate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, estimate. Science. Valuer. Yeah, science. <laughs> synthetic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Impressive. Impressive stuff. You know, I guess that's what happens when, you, when you've when you been benched for a few weeks and you've got a, you got a, a fresh mind, you know, when you come back to the show. Like the, the speed at that time that you can work within is just it's, it's beyond me. Speed, I prefer the term mental acuity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. No, uh, I'm glad we had him on, man. That's um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a worthy, it's a, it's a worthwhile podcast. And if you've got this far, good on you. Um, you've done really well. You're obviously very good at concentrating. I'll admit, I did um, I did find I stumbled on a couple of words with that accent, but um. But it was uh, it was worth it. Yeah, yeah. Look, I I found it. Um, you know, I was I was found myself absorbing it. It was good. Uh, uh, I think um, I think anyone who loves fly fishing would appreciate Martin's qualities. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I definitely, you know, I I always leave these chats thinking, would I like to go fishing with this guy? And Martin, I definitely would. You know, I feel like that with most of the guests, actually, pretty much all. Of them. Yeah. But, you know, that uh, he's an interesting dude and he's inspired me to go visit Japan one day or, you know, if I'm on a trip over there, it's safe in the knowledge there's, there's some fly shit going down over there that needs to be explored. Yeah. They've got a really good fishery. I didn't even get to talk about, like, the, um, the, the um, uh, I don't know if they're in, they wouldn't, maybe they're not invasive species because people don't call trout invasive species here, but, like, it's um, mm. the species that they've introduced, that's probably a better way, introduced species. Um, yeah, you know, like they got Murray cod stocked in lakes. What? In, in really? yeah, no, no joke, absolutely. I know they got large mouth, small mouth. And then, yeah, they know. do. They've also got striped bass in in freshwater lakes as well. It's crazy! Wow. Yeah, they're very j- Japanese sports fishing. Um, mm. Whoever whoever's making decisions like that is very um, very forward thinking as far as species that they introduce to their. Um, I don't know if they're in wild waterways. They're in lakes, at least. Whether they're lakes like the ones in Thailand that people can get to go pay to fish, I don't know. Without you know the lakes with Arapaima and Barramundi and stuff in them in yeah. Thailand and stuff. I don't know if it's that situation, but I know I know you can catch um, Murray cod and striped bass in in the same lakes. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yep. That's so weird. Imagine that. You know, it's not native to either of those places. And- you know, they're separated by a vast ocean, and here, yeah. here they, here they are occurring in Japan. They've got yeah. all these weird trout species over there, too. They've got Taiman. They've got a huge one called an Ito. They've got this tiny little one, like Cherry Salmon. Um, also, I think their local name is Yamami or something like that. So, you know. Okay. Um, I feel like this isn't knowledge retained. I feel like you got Google open, but keep going. It's no, no. reading it. Each 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 weekend, heaps of dudes lining up to book into your mommy, and um, then you've 
Is there is there a video of of, of your mommy fishing? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! What sort of rod do you use on your mommy? <laughs> oh, man. Just... <laughs> <I can't... laughs> oh, Probably oh, culturally insensitive. Um, so yeah, they and... they smell. Does your mommy smell? <laughs> Dude, can you not put this in? We're gonna get so much hate mail. <laughs> I, I, I just, man, I just, I just think of them like black drum, you know, like um, yeah, you wouldn't bring they, them in the boat. I, I can verify, yeah, they, they don't, they don't, they don't smell nice, black drum, and you know the guy, well, the guy I we, we had over there was like, nah, just fucking get get a photo and get the thing back in the waters. That's yeah. what I'm thinking, right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So the point is, there's there's lots of native and and non-native fishing targets over there's a, such a rich fishing culture over there um you know um you know i guess you're probably probably seeing you know a part of me is like you see shimano and daiwa a lot of japanese brand brands on um on uh you know um sort of conventional um tackle i'm thinking what happened to japanese fly tackle innovation you know in the same way that you know those 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 other brands. You know brought out so many innovative um, and competitive engineering. You know conventional reels, bait casters, thread lines, game fishing reels, that sort of thing. Mm. You know part of me is like, why did it? You know why did it sort of not go much from there? Is that is that part of the culture? Or is that how they see fly fishing? You know like the 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 self limitation type thing. Is it is it limited to that? You know like. Um, it's something I'd really like to get over there and, and investigate further. And um, I've heard the Japanese fly shops are something else. Like they're they're pretty cool places to hang out. So I've um I've I follow a couple of Japanese fly tires on on Instagram, and I can't think of their names off the top of my head. But man, mm. some of the flies that I've seen those guys tie, like the that um the use of materials, I've I've never seen anything like it anywhere. You know, it's um uh, it's incredible. It really is. Uh, I don't see it replicated. Anywhere, it, they don't seem to, like, I don't follow a lot of them, but they don't seem to leech off each other and, and copy each other. Like, they seem to stay in there, like, each other, like, that's yours, you do it, you know, sort of thing. Um, I, I, that seems to be the go. I probably don't follow enough of them to, to notice that. Um, but, yeah, I think, it, yeah, I hear what you're saying. There's, just, there's so much innovation in, in, like, lures, in, like, bass lures and, and things like that there that, um, and bass aren't even native to Japan, um, that... It's, you don't see a lot of fly innovation come out. I just, I don't think they're loud about it, you know? Um, I don't know. See, seemingly, I, I see a bit of it, like I said, but I don't I don't see it widely spread everywhere. You know, it's it's, it's odd. I don't know why. It's confusing me as I'm, as I'm saying it. Maybe they're, I don't see them catch a lot of fish on them. Maybe they're just, they're just fly tires. Actually, no, that's not true. I, I watch people catch fish on them. Anyway, I'm, um, I'm peeling, but, um, <laughs> Well, look, here's, here's, this could be a really simple explanation of it. A lot of the, the Japanese fly fishing stuff I, I look at on Instagram, I have, I have to hit, you know, the translate button. So maybe maybe their tagging, you know, is not being in English just means we don't see it. It's just, you know, it doesn't I, happen, you know? Yeah, I, I do the same thing. If it's an interesting fly, I will, um, 
I will definitely go and um, uh, hit the translate button for sure. You know, I want to learn. I want to learn more about it. It's interesting, man. It's a. It's an interesting. An interesting fly fishing culture. That's for sure. Uh, I'd imagine. You know the way the way Martin talks about it. It sounds like it's a very pressured fishery, particularly on the you know around Tokyo, the main like the main island of Japan. I guess you could say huge population, uh, huge fishing culture, huge um, harvesting the sea culture. I guess you could say. So I'd imagine a lot of the um, a lot of the fishing is is probably a, a shadow of its former self. So whatever fly tying concepts guys like who live in those environments come up with. Is definitely worth paying attention to you know like you, you there's no room for error to be successful in highly pressured waters that's for sure that's it you got to do everything right everything to the, to the millimeter yeah. yeah there's no point in doing things at 95 percent. you just won't get the eat because you can get the other five percent right you know so yeah huge yeah. clue huge huge clue for people that are listening on right now that that that's the type of people that you, sh- you should be watching you know I, I feel I feel as though that's uh, there's a lot more lots of but not a lot more to be learnt to the attention that people in those scenarios are paying attention to than than mm-hmm. someone who might be flying into an area that only gets fished by one guide company you know or something like that you know as an example there's plenty of those around the world I don't mean anyone specific everyone uh-huh. I, I'd love to fish a place like that for the rest of my life but it's just no one no one's learning anything that's for sure uh-huh. You know what I mean? Again, you know what I mean, right? Makes sense to you? Sure, I think so. Cool. Yeah. Doesn't seem like an attack on anyone to you? Oh, fuck, man. It could it's be. Not. It's not. It's oh, not, though. Right, okay. Yeah, it's not. It's just It's just that my point is that, um, well, you know, you live in a you live in a city of like uh, a few million people um, that, that have a culture of harvesting from the sea and um, have got such incredible conventional gear tackle and there's as a small amount of people that are, are still consistent on fly that's someone to pay attention to yeah yep that's it man yeah mm-hmm. that's all i mean okay cool. um yeah well i had a great time i certainly did i tell you what it's good to be back it was good to catch up with you chris and it was uh, great to catch up with me mate you're right thank you Yep, yep, I know, I, I know, I know you didn't get lonely, you got, you know, a couple of functional mirrors in your house, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, handy to wake up to, handy, <laughs> handy to wake up to yourself, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did a couple of shows, man, I did, uh, I had um, two, two American fly tires on, um, and uh, I don't, I know you haven't listened to them yet, but um, one was, um, Mum was a little bit black drum centric. Actually, we talked about stinky drum. I actually brought you up on the show and mentioned about that. You, oh, your guy who told you to, to, to dump it out, because um, you know I've heard the story a few times now. And um, and that that dude that dude lives in Alabama, and they fish. They got a lot of black drum where they fish there. Um, yep. Uh, it was interesting to learn about the the fly fishing culture in Alabama. Actually, it's uh, kind of underrated. It's only a small part along the coast. Is it? Um, is it where he comes from? Is that where he lives? Yep. Yeah, right. Okay, does he does he like living there? He's grown up there, yeah. Yeah, right. That's like his his home. It's it's a it's a sweet thing to say, mate, for sure. <laughs> and uh yeah. 
No, it's interesting, mate. They got it like they surf there. Like they, you wouldn't think they'd be surfing in Alabama. It's crazy, but uh, yeah, there's one dude, uh, Sam, his name was, and we had another dude, August, um, who lives in Minnesota, and he's a uh, he's a pop fly uh, aficionado. So I had one dude talking about um, redfish and black black drum and sheep's head flies, and uh, to a lesser degree tarpon and snook and stuff. And another dude talking about um, nerding out on bucktail. Both good podcasts. They they work quite well. Cool man. Hmm. Well, thank you for holding the fort. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, no worries, mate. Yeah, I'll give them a listen one day. Yeah. Okay, mate. I can't. I can't wait to get your thoughts and criticisms. I really can't. It's gonna be I, great. I don't criticize, man. They'll be constructive. You know. Yeah. yeah. That's I'll a, probably, that's I'll right. probably have some questions like, you know, why didn't you ask this or, you know. Well, now that you're on the natty train, like you said earlier, man, you might want to listen to, to August. It's a huge nerd out on, on bucktail and pop flies and stuff. And um, I don't know if you follow August or not, but um, he's an he's a really fast-tracking up-and-comer, uh, Bob Popovic-style tyre, not just sure. August on the fly? Yeah. yeah. August West, his name is. Wow. Yeah, yeah I do follow him, man. Yeah. Yeah. Cool dude. Cool dude, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, bro, I, I guess you you might have you might have vibed that I'm uh, I'm running low on energy, so yeah, um, same. Yeah, it's it's late for people listening, so um, as, as a, by way of explanation, um, Martin, when you listen to this, I hope you enjoy it, and thanks for putting up with our bad humor, dude. Um, but yeah, uh, ours 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 is a strong word, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> Nah, all good. No, it was great to great to have you on, Martin. If you if you're listening this far, yeah, it's delicious, but it's not <laughs> how you make porridge. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, no worries. Let's get out of here. All right, catch you, bro. Got it. <laughs> <laughs>